Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dr. Robert Malone. It's Robert, right? I got his name right? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. He was on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast. It was it was a fascinating, fascinating episode. And I will I will start this uh, show off by saying something very simple. If you support shutting down the voice of scientists, you don't believe in science. That is the opposite of science. Dissenting voices must be heard. So they did this podcast. Uh, uh, it was uploaded to YouTube. I don't think it, it wasn't uploaded by Joe as far as I know, but it did get deleted. In that episode, Malone talks about how he's been banned from Twitter. And for what reason? I guess COVID misinformation. He mentions Getter. Well, only a few days after this show, Joe Rogan posts that he is signing up for Getter, which I don't, I don't, I don't think he's the first person to make this jump. I mean, a lot of people were already on Getter. It's, it's basically a Twitter rival, but many people immediately started setting up Getter accounts because you've got to have somewhere to go. And the challenge is for Whatever the faction is, that's not the left. Moderates, independents, post-liberal, conservative. We need a word for it because the right isn't necessarily correct. There's certainly left-wing individuals who agree with free speech and things like that who are more on the side. Like Joe Rogan's not a right-wing guy. You know what I mean? Hmm. But these people, these are people trying to find a, a place where they can congregate in the event they do get banned from Twitter. So now we're seeing a major boom in Getter. 150,000 new users in one day. I think they fear Joe Rogan, especially with podcasts like this. I got to be honest. I, I struggled to find the episode. No joke. We'll get into all this stuff. But I think this is this is a really big deal. We've also got some data on Joe Rogan's ratings as it relates to all of the big mainstream cable channels. And suffice it to say, his ratings are like three to ten times or even more uh, uh, larger than mainstream TV shows. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, Rand Paul. He's he's dropping YouTube. He says, I'm not going to be on this platform. Crazy story out of Australia. A man immolated himself in protest of the COVID mandates. And then we got a surge in Democrat retirements. Just getting worse. Another another Democrat announced they would not be seeking re-election. I think this is like two for the past several days or whatever. So it's going to be it's going to be a, a crazy year, my friends. Let me just say it's 2022. Last year was was an off year. OK, there, there, there were some elections. Sure. 2022 is the midterms. It's going to be all out, balls to the wall, censorship, smears, harassment, everything, you name it. Anyone who challenges the establishment is going to be uh, is going to be targeted with, with all of the stuff. It's everybody. I don't care if it's left or right, whatever. Now, for the most part, I think the establishment, be it establishment Republicans, but mostly the Democrats, they're going to be playing dirty. You know that they have allies in big tech. We saw what they did with the Hunter Biden laptop. They're going to be coming for everyone on this show. They're going to be coming for for you guys. You're going to get banned for nonsensical things like saying learn to code. So mm-hmm. pay attention to what's going on. And that's why the story about Getter is so important. Joining us to talk about this and, and much, much more is Zed Jelani. How's it going, man? You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, it's my second time on, on uh, Tim's show, and I'm happy to be here again. Um, been a journalist for about a dozen years. I, I worked uh, at Think Progress, The Intercept, uh, a few other different outlets. And today I freelance and also I have a sub stack at inquiremore.com. I write about politics and current affairs. 
uh, follow a lot of the same issues that Tim does, um, and generally uh, try to stay on the beat of underreported stories and sort of narr- picking apart narratives, I think, that are out there that you know aren't factually supported, and, and kind of getting, again, getting that news out there that I think that um, you know you're not gonna you're not necessarily gonna see it on on the CNNs of the world. So cool, right on, man. Thanks for hanging out. We, we got Luke. There's a lot of crazy narratives out there, so I'm really interested in this conversation. Zed, thanks so much for coming. And I would just like to say today, I'm wearing a shirt in honor of the 700 sheep near Hamburg, Germany, that just took part in a <laughs> propaganda effort. The shirt the shirt reads, "Y'all went from sheep." Two lab rats. This is definitely not a shirt for the timid. It's a great conversation starter, and you could get yours on thebestpoliticalshirts.com. And because you do, I'm here. Thanks for having me. This should be a great conversation. I always love sitting down with Zed because he always has really interesting things to say, and he has like such a wide range of knowledge, so I'm stoked for this evening. I always love Monday nights. You guys think I'm crazy, but I do like work, so let's get going. Ian is not here. His <gasps> flight on the way back uh, went through a rift in the time-space continuum. Mm-hmm. However... Ian at the time was asleep, and only the people who were awake vanished as they passed through this rift. Uh, we got word that he and a small group of people fought off gigantic walnut-looking monsters that <laughs> devour time and were able to get back in the plane and take off, go back to sleep by lowering the air pressure, and they've woken. Now they're going to be landing, so Ian should be back by around 9 p.m. Special bonus points to anyone who knows what that was a reference to, and you super chat us that, because uh, <laughs> I haven't seen that I'll leave it there. You guys. <laughs> I, I do, but, but thank you, Don. Th- thank you there, Don Lemon. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't a reference to Don Lemon. I know. It's a reference to something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, we'll, we'll, Don we'll, Lemon we'll made another prediction on national television. It's good stuff, too. That was uh, also Ian's plane looting. was not sucked into a black hole. It was hole. not, no. Mm-mm. All right, before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and help support all of our journalism. We've got this report here, Rally Against Jew Hatred in Brooklyn, ELAD, on the ground. We have on-the-ground reporters, and it's thanks oh, to you guys yeah. as members that we can do more of this. And we want to keep doing more. We want to hire more people. We've already recently hired another journalist. We're looking at ramping up our fact-checking organization this year. All thanks to you for supporting us. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive members-only segments of the TimCast IRL podcast. Those go up at 11 p.m. Monday through Thursday, as well as a ton of other bonus content like Tales from the Inverted World. These are mystery stories and investigative stories. In fact, one of the latest stories is about a serial killer who is currently active in Long Island. So it's not politics mainstream news beat, but this is, this is pretty serious stuff. It's not always, but stuff you definitely might, uh, you, you'll probably want to hear about if you're concerned about, I don't know, serial killers. But there's also other stories, ghost stories, mysteries. And uh, don't forget to like this video right now, subscribe to this channel, share the URL to this video wherever you can. That is the most effective way you can help us combat or compete against the mainstream media and their narratives and their lies. We don't have those big marketing budgets. We don't have big billboards everywhere. We can't afford to work deals to get this show put in airports. But if you guys really do like this show and believe in it, sharing it wherever you can, they can try and silence that. But for the most part, it usually breaks through and we appreciate the support. Let's get into that first big story. Joe Rogan leads move to get her after Twitter bans Dr. Robert Malone, Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Rogan's move comes after Twitter banned Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Dr. Malone for COVID misinformation. But I don't think... Joe Rogan jumped, uh, signed up for Getter because of Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think he did it mostly because Dr. Malone told him on his show he was banned, and then he signed up for Getter. Now, I want to make one very important point before we get into all of this stuff. Joe Rogan is the biggest podcast in the world, even still after leaving YouTube and iTunes, still the biggest podcast. I got to say, I see his numbers put out by uh, um, you know Spotify compared to Nielsen ratings. Spotify is saying, 
This is uh, Luke Rudkowski on, on, on Twitter. I heard about this mm-hmm. guy before. He's pretty good. He's pretty Trouble. good. Joe Rogan Experience, 11 million viewers per show. Wow. Holy cow. 11 million. That is substantially larger than uh, what we get on this show across the board. True. And uh, we could only hope to ever reach that level of, of, of viewership. But that's Joe Rogan. Of course it is. When he says, hey, guys, I'm kind of worried about the censorship. I'm going to get up on Getter. There's going to be a lot of regular people who aren't deeply entrenched in politics. We're going to do the same. And this is huge in the battle against censorship. It could be good. Could be bad. Now, it is good, but there could be some bad to it. I'll say this. A lot of people who are being censored, who have been banned, have found a voice on other platforms like Parler, Gab, Getter, etc. But the the big tech, you know, collusion comes after all these platforms. We saw what happened to Parler. We saw what happened to Gab. Gab starts building its own infrastructure. Getter may experience something similar. But at the very least, for the time being, if you get banned from Twitter, that's somewhere you can go and see many people talking about, you know, certain ideas. It's not perfect. But I, I think coming into this year, the big risk is that if we have two separate echo chambers and people can no longer communicate at all, well, then I think the divide in this country is going to get way, way worse. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're having the, one of the key instrumental figures that created the mRNA vaccine. We're having congressmen and women being banned from expressing their co- dissent towards the, 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 the narrative and they're getting axed. They're getting their ability to talk to their constituents removed away from them by what power, what, what godlike authority, big tech social media that literally just deemed it to be not appropriate for the general public to hear. I'm sorry. I mean, once you start censoring information, once you stop eliminating the, the people to even have a debate or an honest conversation, you're on the wrong side of history. And what Joe Rogan has done is he has put people who have been censored in a way where their voice could actually be heard. They could actually release their ideas to the general public. And this is a huge step against the big tech social media monopolies. And uh, this is why I joined Getter because, and again, I don't even know much about Getter. I, I still need to do my research. I still want some kind of reassurances that Getter won't become the next Twitter. But 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 still, this is a swell of movement of people saying, hey, this is crazy. I I, I can't deal with this. I want free speech. Zed, did you sign up for Getter? Uh, I have not signed up for Getter yet. I am on Rumble, which is a YouTube competitor. Yeah, um, yeah, we use Rumble. Moment, so, uh, you know, I think something important to acknowledge here. I think a lot of people, you know, they look at these decisions by these companies and they say, "Well, they're private companies. They're they're behaving and they, they get to control who who their users and their customers are, just as any store or any any business organization would." Something people have to understand is that over the past few years. The government has increasingly leaned on these companies. You know, Democrats will bring these people before hearings. They'll, they'll bring up inflammatory content. They'll talk about this. And they'll basically ask the companies why they aren't censoring more. Now, the government, of course, has various regulatory powers it could impose on these companies that could, you know, cause them profit. They could reduce their market share. They could even break them up. These last few years have not been easy on our economy. And with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684 and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have. 
from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. And I think that a lot of what these companies have been doing over the past few years, uh, for instance, what they did with the Hunter Biden stories, where Facebook and Twitter were throttling the story, making it difficult to even click the link uh, to go and read the New York Post story about uh, uh, President Biden's son. Uh, I think a lot of what they're doing, they're doing that preemptively to avoid potential regulation from the Democrats. So it's not so simple as private companies simply making enlightened decisions, you know, playing uh, homage on speech. They're actually doing this with political aims uh, in mind in that they know that this party is in power in Washington right now, so they have to keep them happy. And I think there's a lot of Democrats. I think there were some Democrats who were interviewed about it, like Pramila Jayapal, who were very much in favor of Marjorie Taylor Greene being removed from Twitter. They probably wanted them to go further than that. So I think, you know, you have to understand this is this whole thing's an ecosystem. It's not just a company acting in a vacuum. I and mean, I think Facebook did a 24-hour suspension of Marjorie Taylor Greene almost immediately after Twitter removed yeah, her, right? in concert. I would I would actually disagree with you. I don't think big tech is afraid of politicians. I would say politicians are afraid of big tech, especially with the amount of money that they put into the lobbying business. I think they're the biggest, uh, I, one of the biggest uh, lobbying efforts in all of Washington, D.C., and they control a lot of power because they get to see everything that politicians do. Now, you don't need the CIA anymore. You got Facebook literally knowing when you're going to take a dump. So if they know that, hmm. they're tracking and databasing all these politicians and probably have a list of dirty laundry against them and they could go to them and be like, hey, we know what, what you Googled. We know what you looked into. We know the private videos you watch on this and this website. We could release that to the general public unless you do what you want us to do. So I think big tech, especially with how they were working with the intelligence agencies from their beginning are the ones really in charge here from my perspective. But again, I might, I might be wrong. Think about how insane it is to take down a, an actively sitting politician, right? Twitter banning Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, first of all, banning Trump. That was crazy. People mm. don't realize this, man. You get, you get the CNNs, you get all these networks being like, an insurrection occurred. So we must remove the current president from all of these social media platforms so he can't communicate. He's not going away. His followers aren't going away. This is not shutting anything down. It's only proving to the people who don't like you, you're as bad as they said you were. Mm -hmm. If you've got people, if they're, if they're telling us that there's an insurrection, you've got people who genuinely think the Democrats and the, and the neocons are like evil and need to be removed or whatever. And then you decide that the one person they do like, Trump, is going to be removed from public discourse. That just makes it worse. It makes it substantially worse. I think back to, I think it was George Washington. There was this, um, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but there was a, a, a conspiracy. Do you guys remember this? Like the revolution, after the revolution, America couldn't pay its debts and a bunch of soldiers weren't paid. So there was like some insurrection and George Washington was like, no, 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 no. We got to let these guys go. If we, if we prosecute or persecute them, it'll only make things worse. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. I can't remember the, I can't remember the full details. And you know, we, we talked about it on the show once. But that's what a lot of people talked about back during the insurrection. People uh, much smarter than I, mind you. They said perhaps amnesty for these people is the best way to do this, to say, look, we're, we, we, are, we are one country. We need to come together. We don't want to make these problems worse. Instead, the, the establishment, the intelligence agencies, the DOJ have all done everything in their power to make this as bad as possible. And it's not just the DOJ. It's not just the government. It's the big tech companies. Now, removing Marjorie Taylor Greene. For what? Well, COVID misinformation, they said, and Dr. Malone. 
Now, Marjorie Taylor Greene's not a scientist, but she is a leader in the federal government. They may not like that she is, but she is. Dr. Malone is a scientist, a dissenting one. When you ban dissent, that's the opposite of science. They're just proving to everyone the problem is is bad or, uh, or as bad or worse than they realized. And and let's let's remember something. When like-minded people gather together, they tend to become more extreme, right? Mm-hmm. So it was in the past it would have been a matter of you know, Dr. Robert Malone's on Twitter. He's on YouTube. He's discussing these things with other scientists. You can weigh what he says against other people. The truth can win out that way, right? Let's say someone's a huge fan of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now they're just going to go watch her on Rumble or view her messages on Getter. They may not see someone debating with her, discussing with her. They might grow even more kind of closed-minded in that direction, right? They're they're reducing contact between people of different ideologies because they're just deciding that certain ideologies are verboten, that they're forbidden to be spoken. Um, they're ending up segmenting and segregating people off, and that may actually create more extreme echo chambers in the long run. And, and you know, I think that this, again, I think because of all the political considerations that are happening right now, I mean, these companies tend to be run by more left-leaning people. They have a more left-leaning government in D.C. that they are somewhat managing or dealing with right now. I don't think they think three steps ahead when it comes to a lot of this stuff, right? And I think, again, the w- what you pointed out in terms of those historical examples uh We've seen that many times throughout history, not only with George Washington, who decided after the American Civil War, there was a long process of reconciliation between the North and the South that wasn't resolved maybe for 100 years. I don't Uh, think it was ever resolved. After World War II, I think that many of the Allies, you know, they kept actually a fair bit of the German leadership. Of course, many many of them were brought to trial and executed, but some of the German leadership was maintained. A big part of the Japanese leadership was maintained. And I think they did that because they didn't want to throw those societies into a further civil war. They didn't want to make them feel marginalized and repressed. They wanted to say, hey, look, this war was wrong. We defeated you, but we're going to bring you into the community of nations now, right? They wanted to make them feel included. And I think that mostly worked with Germany and Japan and Italy and these Axis powers. Um, and I think that has generally been the wiser path to, to, to take here. And I think that, yeah, I, in a few days, I imagine with the January 6th, anniversary we're going to see a lot of mulling over this new york times already said every day is january 6th now right you can't you can't move past it you can't reconcile with these people you can't try to come back to a normal country they seem to be wanting there to be some kind of civil disturbance or war but it has no end point and it has no goal either right because what would that what was what does this conflict entail even it's just a matter of permanent grievance or resentment divide and conquer i think it's deliberate when you look at these echo chambers they're not only created with censorship they're created with the algorithms that promote people from just having their views regurgitated back to them by people who have the same political ideology and and i think it, it's meant so we do fight each other so of course we don't really truly look at what's causing our problems we look at each other and see that's the problem our common man our neighbor we should go after him we should fight them because they think not like me and, and again that type of ideology is absolutely fascistic and it's disgusting and it's something we need to fight back on as much as we can right now take, take a look at this uh, uh this tweet here from oh, yeah. everyone's favorite cnn personality <laughs> brian stelter he says watch how this twitter user mocks reporters for talking candidly about the trauma associated with the capital attack i just quote tweeted it and wrote trauma F. The trauma. <laughs> I like it the is, I like the first uh, reply to it. I think first, that's uh, uh, pretty. Yeah, yeah. It's perfect. The first reply. Oh, Stewie yeah. rocking Stewie, back yeah. <laughs> Stewie from Family Guy. The trauma. Okay, here's what you need to understand. If you are on the ground during these like m- m- riotous moments, it can be stressful. But uh, for many of us, we've been through tons of them. I've been, you know, uh, out Brazil. I think was one of the most intense. Thailand was probably the scariest because people were actually killing each other there. But to say that in any way foreign conflict 
Like there, 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 there are foreign war reporters and conflict, conflict reporters much braver than I, much smarter than I, who have traveled to many countries facing real dangers who don't have trauma. And many do. Don't get me wrong. For journalists in America who are not on the ground to be explained, discussing their trauma over an event they did not witness. I think it just goes to show you how insane the whole system is getting. But I, I want to keep the subject on uh, on what's going on with the getter. We have this story. This is really funny. Uh, uh, from July of this year, the newest MAGA app is tied to a Bannon-allied Chinese billionaire. Getter has existed as a Chinese-language social media network linked to Guo Wengui. Wengui? How you say that? It was unveiled as a new platform by Jason Miller on Thursday. They say, on Tuesday, Guo Wengui, an exiled Chinese billionaire who runs a Chinese-language media network with Trump advisor Steve Bannon, posted a video on his, G- on, on his site, GNews, reminding viewers to back up their social media posts on Getter, mm. saying, I guess the site was going to get wiped or something. Two days later, Donald Trump's former advisor, Jason Miller, announced that Getter, a Chinese-language site for dissidents opposing the Chinese Communist Party, would soon launch as a pro-MAGA free speech social media platform. Now, I don't know much about who this guy is, all right? But there have been a lot of people concerned about the move to Getter because of the association with Guo Wengui. I would like to show you this music video from YouTube mm-hmm. where uh, it's only got 63,000 views. It's from October of 2020. And it's I, it's the, it's this guy. Is that who it is? It's Guo? Is this who this guy I is? believe so, yeah. And I he's on a boat is... smoking a cigar. And he's, he's like, CCP, you're over. And he's doing, like, boxing moves. Oh, my gosh. That, you know what, man? I can appreciate <laughs> the, uh, uh, the the attempt, you know, culture jamming and all that stuff. But uh, what is it? who is this guy? Like, what's, what, what is this? I, I don't know if this could be considered boxing moves. But uh, <laughs> he's been a big supporter of the Hong Kong movement. And, of course, he also hangs out routinely with Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon is seen with him a lot. Other than that, I don't really know much about him. Uh, but just like, you know, anyone, people should obviously be looking into who's who and, and who's controlling what. Because again, when, when you're running a big tech social media company, you have a lot of power. You got a lot of authority and not a lot of people realize when something's free, you're usually the product. How Getter is going to treat their product, their customer base is going to be interesting. Cause obviously this guy has a lot of money. I don't think. Maybe money, money, maybe money motivates him. Maybe it's something else, but uh, I think only time will tell. I'm, I'm skeptical of, of everything, to be quite honest, uh, with you personally, myself. Are you familiar with this guy? No, I honestly beyond the music video. Oh, you've seen the music video before? I, I, I think he's he's known to be a character, but I don't, yeah. I, I don't know anything special about him. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll say this: there are a lot of Amazing. people talking about Getter banning people. Banning, you know, like America First, uh, they, they reportedly banned the phrase groiper. And I saw that and people were like, look, this platform is going to ban people the same as all, you know, same as Twitter and all these other platforms. So I went on Getter and I typed in, did they really ban the word groiper to see if it was banned? Right. It, it posted and mm. people responded saying it's posting. So I don't think that they did ban it. Maybe they temporarily did or something happened. However, their rules are the same as Twitter for the most part. Like obviously not the community guidelines. But the, the, the terms where they're like, we'll ban you if you if, if we decide to, I believe Getter absolutely will be banning people. 100%. Of course they will. They have to. You can't have criminal uh, images. You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to get too explicit on what those kind of images could be. But uh, Ian, who's not here tonight, uh, has experience when he was working for Minds of having to go through these images, which are like many of which are explicitly criminal. Mm-hmm. And you have to remove them. And you have to ban the users. However, I think it'll go a little bit beyond that. I think Getter probably will ban people for, you know, I don't want to say completely political reasons, but for fairly political reasons. I just think the difference is Twitter is obviously a left-wing platform, hands down. 
their rules on misgendering, 100% left-wing perspective. The fact that they would ban a conservative for holding a conservative view, well, there you go. The same is true for all these big tech companies. I think Getter wants to do the exact same thing, but just on the right. Here's the problem. The right typically likes to engage with the left and challenge ideas. Mm -hmm. The left generally prefers echo chambers where they're told what to think. Now, I know a lot of people on the left will will say, that's not true. That's not true. We've already been through uh, multiple iterations of this, where Jack Dorsey himself said, in 2016, left-wing journalists were only following left-wing journalists, but right-wing journalists were following both left and right-wing journalists. We've looked at the ground news uh, bias uh, uh, charts on a, on a variety of users. And you can see that people associated with the right get their news from either the right and the left, maybe, maybe a little bit more the right. And people on the left, it's 95% left-wing news sources. The left typically stays in an echo chamber. This is why when Lauren Boebert was making fun of Donald Trump for saying true and on a shabbat of pressure, the left was confused and didn't know what she was talking about because these people just live in an echo chamber. That means Twitter is perfect for the left. They don't want to leave their echo chamber. They want to be in it. But Getter won't work for the right because the right wants to engage with people. Yeah. I, I, does Getter have a code of conduct? And I, I think a lot of people are asking the question, what guarantees do we have that Getter will stand up for the principles of free speech? Obviously, if there's criminal speech, that's a matter of something that the authorities uh, deal with. But, but when it comes to free speech, when it comes to political discussions, when it comes to even criticizing the CEO – Will that be allowed? Mm-hmm. That's a very important question that needs to be asked. I think it would be interesting to talk to this uh, CEO. Um, I don't know if you would be down to kind of have him on, but I would have a lot oh, of yeah, questions absolutely. and guarantees Definitely. and make someone even sign a contract on air being like, I pledge <laughs> to never censor free speech ever or I will chop off my left hand oh, and uh, or, I, I think, or, or whatever. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like a lot of these companies, they write guidelines and they write terms of service in that give them some wiggle room to in the future if they feel like they have to panic and censor or panic and start moderating mm. things they'll start doing it like substack for instance i i don't think they've really cracked down at all on on basically anything um i think I, rogan I, and tim Dillon were talking about them cracking down on some people well, well the thing I think is that was, within that was, their within their service within their guidelines they they say like something like oh we don't we don't allow hate speech or whatever and like that's the most getter? nebulous cat not getter, getter substack. substack says that oh yeah i'm reading getter right now they ban hate speech well that's the thing that's like the most nebulous category right that's that, that kind of becomes whatever you decide it is and so if you have that within your terms of service, I feel like you're kind of leaving in it like a valve for yourself. Like if you feel like something gets too like toxic or too spicy, you can like flip that valve and you can be like, okay, that was in our terms of service. But the thing is they don't really define that, right? So like you don't know what their limits are or what they will. Let me, let me read this. And I'll, I might have to be, uh, well, I'll just read it. Getter holds freedom of speech as its core value and does not wish to censor your opinions. Nonetheless, you may not post on or transmit through the service any unlawful, harmful, threatening, abusive, harassing, defamatory, mm-hmm. libelous, indecent, vulgar, obscene, sexually explicit, pornographic, profane, hateful, racially, ethnically, or otherwise objectionable material of any kind, including any material that encourages conduct that would constitute a criminal offense, Give rise to civil liability or otherwise violate any law, rule, or regulation of the law, laws applicable to you or applicable applicable to the count country in which the material is posted. For example, this may include content identified as personal bullying, uh, uh, child abuse, attacking any religion or race or content con- containing video or depictions of, oh man. Bad stuff. Yeah, bad stuff. Bad stuff. We don't want to, we'll, we'll get in trouble. Um, 
Let's just say uh, ISIS-related stuff. That's probably worse, but whatever. Oh, well, well, you know what? Screw it. I'm done with this. Beheadings. There you go. There's the word. We reserve the right and our sole discretion to reject, refuse, to post or remove any posting or other user-generated content, including private messages from you, or to deny, restrict, suspend, or terminate access to all or part of the interactive community at any time for any or no reason without prior notice or explanation and without liability. Now, I tell you this. That sounds exactly, Mm. if not... Worse than Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or otherwise. Picture this. You're driving on the open road, taking in the beautiful views this country offers. Then out of nowhere, you hear a noise and your car breaks down. While still frustrating, you feel protected because you have a plan through CarShield. CarShield has helped millions of drivers from having to pay back-breaking car repair costs. All you have to do is call before a breakdown. Plans can pay for expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. All for CarShield's low monthly rate that never goes up as long as you cover your car. With a plan through CarShield, you get protection on over 5,000 major parts and systems with just a visit to carshield.com carlson. I'm talking big money items like your transmission, engine, electronics, and so much more. CarShield is here to keep you moving forward and make car breakdowns and the repairs that follow just a tiny bump in the road. Go to carshield.com slash carlson. Protect yourself from the unprecedented rise in costs for parts and repairs. Visit now to save 20%. carshield.com slash carlson. That's carshield.com slash carlson. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The point is the people running Getter are the inverted political uh, perspective as compared to, uh, you know, Getter is, is, inver- is the inversion of Twitter, effectively. Same as Parler's other platforms. All that means is we're going to have parallel uh, political discourse. If you want to talk about right wing stuff, they'll be like, oh, that's not that's not hateful. And then on the left, if you want to talk about left wing stuff, if left, they'll be like, yeah, that's fine. Gatter is probably, in my opinion, substantially less likely to censor you for having his opinions, but they have the same rules. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Yeah, that's very vague legal legalese language here that could be interpreted and used in many different ways, especially if they have pressure from the ESG. Uh, what is it? The EGS? No, the Environmental Social Governance Score? ESG yes, score. Yeah. Especially if they get pressure from kind of institutional powers or, or bigger players out there or advertisers. It's going to be interesting to, to talk to the guy who's running it. I would love to do that, and I would love to ask Jason more Miller. serious questions. And, and again, have some more kind of... Uh, you know, things where we could put things on paper and have guarantees guaranteeing you can't, free speech. Dude. They, they, no. look, man, they have to have these things because for, for a variety of reasons. Exactly. No, no, uh, namely, they'd be banned from all the app stores because of the Silicon Valley monopoly on it. So clearly, Getter's trying to navigate this, but it, you can't do it. You can't do it. The, it. It's not just the platform like Getter, it's the fact that Parler got removed over lies. Mm-hmm. Gab was smeared and they went after their infrastructure over lies. So Getter is trying to play within the bounds. It's like it's like in, you're, you're in the Matrix. You know, they, they say in the Matrix, you are you, you can you can sort of bend the rules, but you have to you're still bound by the same rules. That's what it is. Getter is still within the Silicon Valley ecosystem. 
They're going to be dealing with the same problems. It'll be a little bit better, but for the most part, I don't know how much, I don't know how much better. I mean, uh, mines, my, uh, M-I-N-D-S, it's always hard to say that word, mines, because people think you're saying M-I-N-E-S, mm-hmm. um, might be better, but a lot of people complain about their user interface being really difficult to use compared to like Getter or mm-hmm. other platforms. I don't, I don't have all the answers. Um, I don't I know if Getter's like, the answers. I, I don't know. I mean, it might be a matter of like, there are people who talk about, you know, crypto technology and decentralization and things like that, that will, that will free people up to, to use these technologies. Like, I don't know, like... You can't have, like, a, a giant signal group for, like, you know, a million people right, or whatever right. to make it a social network. But, like, people use signal right now for, like, end-to-end encrypted messaging with mm. each other. And, like, you know, there are technologies that you – I don't know. I, I guess it's going to take a lot of building because up until I would say about five or six years ago, even the Silicon Valley ecosystem was fairly free. Like, there was very little moderation or censorship in the Silicon Valley ecosystem up until I would say 2015, 2016. And so it's a new, it's kind of like a new problem that a lot of people are, are dealing with and grappling with right now, right? So, absolutely. Uh, how do we <laughs> just na- look at Luke. How do we navigate <laughs> this? How do we navigate this landscape? Do we all trust some other corporation out there? Do we trust some other, or 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 do we just go encrypted, go anonymous? Like it, it, it's such a crazy battle that we're even have, having to deal with a situation where scientists. And members of Congress are having their voices censored in favor well, of I, multinational well, corporations with a criminal they, past. They use this term misinformation, which is like basically what they're trying to say is the other person is wrong. Mm. And like you shouldn't be allowed to speak if you're wrong. And I'm just like, how can you have any yeah. conversation? People are always disagreeing with each right. other. Someone's usually wrong about yeah. the facts. <laughs> That's the nature of human yeah. human dialogue with each they, other. They, they might as well say Pravda, right? That, that yeah. would have been more convincing for me. Well, let's bring up this story we got from TimCast.com. YouTube and Twitter delete Joe Rogan's interview with vaccine inventor Dr. Malone. The interview regarding COVID vaccines and mandates was removed days after Robert Malone's Twitter was also suspended. They, uh, so I, I don't think it was posted by uh, Joe Rogan, though. Do you guys know who uploaded this? Um, it was Malone himself, right? Well, when Peter McCullough was on, he uploaded the full interview on his YouTube channel, and YouTube yeah. took that video down. So I don't know if Robert Malone uploaded it on his I think, YouTube channel. I think Malone ha- had already been uh, kicked off of Twitter by the time he went on road. Twitter, but, yeah. but as far as the YouTube, YouTube video, YouTube, the YouTube video know. was uploaded in full, and then it was taken down. Let me, so let me let me tell you, check this out. So when this when this episode on the, of the Joe Rogan Experience dropped with Dr. Malone, naturally it was getting huge huge uh, buzz. Everybody was talking about it. They just banned this guy, and so I opened Spotify. Normally, when I open Spotify, it's like the Joe Rogan Experience, front and center, trying to advertise it. There was nothing. Huh. So I scroll around and I'm like, all right, I'll hit podcasts. I hit podcast, nothing. Hmm. And then I'm like, where's Joe Rogan? I couldn't find him. I was at first, I was just trying to search through like, okay, podcast, okay, comedy, nothing, entertainment, nothing, news. What? Every time I used to open that before, it was like front and center, watch Joe Rogan. So then I just had to manually search Joe Rogan experience, found it, went into his show profile, found it and played it. That may be nothing. Maybe the Spotify algorithm was like, Tim, we don't think you actually want to listen to Joe Rogan, even though it's like the only thing you listen to on Spotify. So we're not going to suggest it to you right now. But then I started seeing videos pop up. Someone posted a video where they were trying, they they were playing a bunch of podcasts on Spotify. They even played Timcast IRL. And then when they opened up Joe Rogan with Malone, it wouldn't load. Hmm. And he was like, I can't get it to play. I don't understand. So I don't know if there is, you know, some, some, you know, something going on. Maybe not. But I got, I got, I just got to. Every time there's an accident or a mistake, it's 
or coincidence, whatever. Coincidence. So weird. It's only ever affecting this kind of thing. When when people get banned, oh, it was a mistake. We didn't mean to ban you. Oh yeah, but wh- how often is the our, our left establishment people getting banned? Yeah, when that happens, I just scream Illuminati. <laughs> uh, but but no, again, I, it, it's also important not to jump to conclusions. But but yeah. it, it's also there's there's so many coincidences that always work in the favor of very powerful people. How do you draw the line here? I mean, there also was a lot of internal fighting between some Spotify staff members and Joe Rogan. Is there a deliberate effort to undermine him? Maybe we don't know. But but the fact is, like these interviews the the peter mccullough tens of millions of people millions of people are, have been downloading it I, th- I, I i think last week it was 40 million people downloaded the peter mccullough interview which how, do, is how do you know how do you know um those are the some of the numbers that released, come up. i think they yeah. released the the stats really? on the the malone it was 40 million mm. on the malone one or the last one? week no, this was no, uh, no this was peter mccullough oh mccullough this is the number that i saw shared around by a lot of individuals uh 40 million for me, P- peter mccullough last week those those videos are still up they're still gaining a lot of views robert malone i don't know the exact numbers mm-hmm. um and, and and again we're talking about it, it's not unlikely it, it's very likely especially with all likely, the news dude. and buzz look We've seen all of these stories about Spotify going after, like Spotify employees demanding Joe Rogan be like banned or removed, and they mm-hmm. won't do it. So, is is it is it absurd then to think that these employees have just you know put their thumb on the scale a little bit? I'll put it this way: Does there need to be a concerted effort to go after Joe's uh, content through infrastructure on Spotify? No, there doesn't. There just needs to be like a dude. He's sitting in his office and they're like, hey, we need you to, you know, update that form, you know, internally to make sure, you know, the Joe Rogan show is going to publish on time. He goes, oh, OK, I'll get to it. And then he laughs, pulls out his phone and starts playing, you know, yeah. uh, angry. Well, did you guys see today that there was it was announced that uh, Random House will not be publishing a collection of Norman Mailer because one of their junior employees complained about one of his essays that they, they thought was racially insensitive. Of course, this guy was writing in the '60s, mm. uh, a gonzo journalist writing all kinds of things. He was mostly a left left leaning guy, a left wing guy. Um, but that's kind of what it takes in a lot of these situations now. Is that you have these large firms, they have employee revolts, and it might could be a very small employee revolt, and they have to do something to appease them, right? Uh, in this case, they canceled the entire book. One of the most famous kind of '60s gonzo journalists. Um, and I think they actually informed his family, like his surviving family, they wouldn't be publishing the book, one of the largest publishers. But this is happening all over the place. I mean, Netflix had an internal revolt over Dave Chappelle. Now, right. we learned at the end of the day, it was just a tiny number of employees, right? It was a few mm. dozen who walked out. This is a, a massive company. And yet, the company had to go through, like, you know, crisis mode internally. I, you know, I, from what I understand, it was quite intense uh, within that environment because I think that, unfortunately, in a lot of these environments, they are not... Um, you know they've they've inverted the the leadership. It's it's kind of ruled by the angry or fearful minority, right? It's not that the CEO tells the junior staffer, "Hey, we're we're a company about uh, you know putting out these products that people want to watch and want to see, and you, you don't have a veto over them." But they they won't tell them that. I feel like with YouTube and Twitter, Facebook, etc., they got the opposite message from Uncle Ben dying. You know, you guys know Uncle Ben, he said, you know, he's like, with great power comes great responsibility. Mm. And Peter's like, I'll be here from now on. Uh, so, you know, Facebook was like, we have all of this power, but we'll be damned if we want to take responsibility for anything. That's Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. It's all of Silicon Valley. What they don't, first of all, there is political, there's, there's a political agenda for sure. And those elements exist, but there's also cowardice in these companies. And when it comes to a lot of the COVID policy, I think for the most part, it is fear of liability. 
And there's no liability when you're like, hey, man, look, it's just what Fauci said of the World Health Organization. So if you get someone like Dr. Malone, who's like, for the most part, a lone voice, and he's saying things, they're like, someone's going to sue us. And that's you, you can look at a lot of their policies, fear of liability. So what they're, what they're basically saying is if we just ban everybody who dissents from like the official narrative, you can't hold us responsible. But they are the public space. These debates need to happen. They are banning dissenting scientific voices. And I'll show you this. We have this from The Atlantic, a smear piece on Dr. Malone. But it does say it effectively says that Dr. Malone invented mRNA technology. They say his two studies from was it 1989 demonstrating how RNA could be delivered into cells using lipids, which uh, which are basically tiny globules of fat, which could be used as a vaccine or a vaccine delivery method. These studies indeed represent seminal work in the field of gene transfer, according to Ryan Verbeek, a postdoctoral fellow at Ghent University in Belgium and the lead author of a 2019 history of mRNA vaccine development. Indeed, Malone's studies are the first two references in Verbeek's paper out of 224 in total. So whether or not you want to say he invented mRNA, Mm -hmm. I'll put it this way. If like the first ever inception of mRNA technology comes from this one dude or his team, then yeah, isn't that inventing something? It doesn't mean he invented the core products. It doesn't mean he made like, you know, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. They say, did he invent the fluorescent light bulb? No, but you still say he invented the light bulb, right? They're trying to make it seem like he's got no grounds to communicate. They're lying. They're claiming he's not an expert. There, there are these these government, you know, uh, funded scientists saying things like he just played a minor role and has nothing. Is he a PhD? Is he a doctor who specializes in vaccines? Has he worked with the government in this regard? Okay, then why are we not allowed to hear what he has to say? Absolutely. And I don't think uh, big tech is worried about lawsuits because what what are you going to sue people for? This scientist provided some scientific data. Get him. Sue him. They can't do that. And and if if anything, the information being provided here adds context and information and allows people to have informed consent. One of the things that Dr. Robert Malone brought up that I thought was was very instrumental here, he didn't only talk about the profit incentives of Pfizer here. He also talked about bigger institutions, financial institutions like BlackRock. He talked about the big financial systems that have a lot of egregious power. Power that along with big tech are working in unison to stifle out any kind of questioning of their product that they're trying to get you to take. That is a scary situation because you're giving people godlike power and authority when you're able to censor information from the general public. That is scary. That is terrifying. And if everyone, everyone should know about this. And I think this is why we're seeing such a huge scramble of people be like, hey, this is absolutely terrifying. I need to move over, get away to a totally different platform where I could actually listen to another side of the story here, which is absolutely critically important. I, I feel like Joe Rogan's viewership is, is, is more now than when it was when he was on YouTube. Huh. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, in, in question the larger move from YouTube to, to Spotify. And I think if he's able to have a better, closer relationship with Spotify, which it looks like he has, he's able to get, get away with a lot more because if he was still on YouTube, YouTube would have taken the videos down. YouTube is already taking the videos down. So yeah. so this is one of the ways that he still was able to position himself in a way where these videos are getting tens of millions of downloads and views, but they can't be taken well, down this, by YouTube. This is, this is, I think, one of the points of leverage that Rogan would have over Spotify. Is that Spotify is a much smaller company than Google, right? Much smaller company than, than uh, what Alphabet or, or YouTube can provide. 
um, meaning that he's a much bigger asset to Spotify, right? I mean, they they paid a hundred million dollars to bring him over. I think was the deal. That was what that was what uh, I think Wall Street Journal reported. And but so, you, you you never know because it could be like over ten years. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. I, I doubt it's that long. But the idea is that he's going to be a you know, he's going to be a lot of revenue for them as well, right? Absolutely. Um, meaning that. You know, whatever pressures they have within the company, whatever pressures they get externally from news media, whatever pressures they get externally from government, if he's making them money and they have their own infrastructure, he has a point of leverage over them. And I think that point of leverage is greater than what he would have had over YouTube, given this to the relative sizes of the companies. I saw this story uh, about a guy whose muscles are turning to bone. You ever hear about that stuff, Mm-mm. that disorder? Huh. You've heard about that, Liam? No, I haven't. Where it's like, um, so normally when you exercise, your muscles, the proteins will break down, and then your body replaces it with you know proteins, and it grows stronger or, so, or whatever. I'm not, a, I can't tell you exactly how it works, but um, apparently there are some people that when the muscle breaks, it's replaced with calcium and just starts turning to bone. That's kind of how I feel things are going right now. Over time, when somebody like ages out or retires or moves on from a position, it gets replaced by an, an ideologue, an immovable object that creates rigidity. And structural damage. Mm. That's why we're at the point now where you've got like Spotify. Big company, probably has a lot of money to lose, a lot of money to make. But you get a small portion of individuals who appear when a certain position opens up or when a certain position, you know, someone moves on from it. The woke millennial types or whatever Gen Z types come in. And then just that one person, it's like bone in your muscle. All of a sudden, you're struggling to move. You can't function properly. And the system just starts collapsing and failing. I saw that story. and I was like, it kind of feels like what's happening to our society. You know, at a certain point, they may just put a feeding tube in the mouth of our culture. And that the government will just start subsidizing and funding things out of fear of collapse and economic failure, and then we're and then we're doomed. And then they'll give them a whole bunch of fentanyl. But that's my own personal perspective. But you made a very good point because YouTube could afford to lose Rogan. Spotify can't. They invested into him. And I'll be honest, when Rogan first moved onto Spotify, I was like, "There's no way I'm downloading another app. I'm not doing this." Um, you know, I'll look at the small clips that that he releases. But but with the debates with the people that Rogan had on Robert. Kennedy Jr., Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, Dr. Robert Malone, having these important conversations, I can't miss it. I had to download the app. I had to I had to sign up for an account, and, and I had to listen to it because it was the only way I could. And it's not just me. It's a lot of disenfranchised people who are asking some serious questions that the government can't answer right now as the government has been caught time and time again lying, putting their foot in their mouth, and absolutely not telling the people the truth. It's very evident right now, especially with cases surging, that all of their plans, everything they did, hasn't hasn't worked at all. So people are left with some serious questions. Rogan is helping those questions be answered by presenting so much data and information and letting them decide what actions and moves to make for themselves with informed consent like they should have had from the very beginning. Let's talk about how stupid all that cultural stuff is again. We got this story from CNN.com. Patton Oswalt defends his longtime friendship with Dave Chappelle. No, he didn't. He apologized. Patton Oswalt was doing a show. Dave Chappelle was doing a bigger show. After Patton Oswalt's show ended, Dave was like, yo, come in, do a set. We got a big arena. And so Patton Oswalt did. And you know what he was probably thinking? Patton Oswalt is, he's famous, but is he Dave Chappelle? No. Nope. So imagine you're like, yeah, you're in a band and people have heard of you and you maybe make six figures. It's all right. You're an opening act. And then all of a sudden, like Metallica at an arena is like, why don't you come in and do a, do a, do a set? You're going to be like, dude, an arena. And you're going to go super excited. But oh no, 
Oh no, people are mad at you now. So Patton Oswalt posts this photo where he's like, look at me, I'm with my friend Dave. I've known him for so long. I'm so happy to be here. And he got attacked for it. People started saying that, uh, you know, uh, he was hurting the LGBTQ community and things like that, that he doesn't understand the damage and the pain. So he takes this other photo on Instagram where he's like, he's got like a yellow notepad and he's writing down something, looking pensive in front of the mirror. And he's just like, if I had known the hurt that I would have caused. And he's like, to think I would tell other people they need to, to learn. Oh, you know what? Grow a spine, dude. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You took a picture with your friend. That's it. Dave Chappelle's a funny guy. Grow up. It's like he was punished and, and told by a teacher, write an essay why you're sorry for having a friend for decades. I mean, are you kidding well, me? There's also a lot of fake news uh, spreading around in this. There was a caption that Dave Chappelle stopped to help this elderly lesbian after her suburban <laughs> broke down. Uh, that was fake news. Didn't happen. Uh, going around with that photo. Just a meme out there. Uh, but, but, but it tells you what kind of times we're living in where a person who was friends with someone for, for decades is, is apologizing for taking a photo with them. Well, that's that's crazy. You know what's funny is people started going back into Patton Oswalt's uh, old stand-up routines, Oof. and they found that Patton had made very, like, I would say it goes beyond just being transgressive. It was almost like mean-spirited jokes about transgender people, like far worse than anything <laughs> that Chappelle had ever done. This was just a few years ago. It was probably from 2014 or something. And people started posting that on Twitter, like, oh, Patton, no, you're so embarrassed of you know Dave Chappelle and you were doing this. But I think that's part of the rhetorical move you have to make when you're in these circles and that... A few years ago, if you wanted to be like a bully, you would be making like anti-transgender jokes or you're making anti-gay jokes or blah, blah, blah. Now, if you want to be a bully, you got to be woke, right? You got to be woke about it. You can still be like really hateful and like spiteful towards people and you can still basically be that bully, but you're going to have to do it in a different direction. I think that's what Patton Oswalt, he's orienting himself to where he feels like his Hollywood milieu is now, which is that... You know, Dave Chappelle is one of the most popular entertainers in America, but he may not be that popular among a certain subset of cultural liberals in Hollywood, right? The the one segment of people in the news media and the entertainment who actually did take a great deal of offense towards his, his comedy routines, which I think, honestly... If you polled most transgender people in America, I think most of them probably wouldn't even have been offended because they most of them, like most like of them, most of them were in good taste. Mm-hmm. And if you look at his routines, he makes fun of everybody. And most of those people don't get offended at it because they understand the purpose and role of comedy and levity in society, right? Yeah, well, that all seems to be going away, I guess, except for the fact, you know, Netflix keeps signing more and more deals with Dave Chappelle. So let me just say this. Dave Chappelle is being signed to Netflix because Netflix has the data. Netflix looks at who's watching Dave Chappelle and they're like, wow, everybody loves this guy. Let's give him more money. 
You see, Netflix doesn't make money off of advertisements. They make money off of memberships. If they book Dave Chappelle to do a headline, you know, major special on Netflix and they give him, how much, how much are they paying him? It's like tens of millions of yeah, dollars. Yeah, a lot. An a employee lot. leaked the information to the general public. Yeah, I wasn't for, it like I 25 million or something? It was a lot, yeah. Man, could you, you know what? Look, I know Dave's the best of the best. And he, he, it, it takes a lot of work to do these specials, but that much money for that much work, it's just like, wow, when you're good, you're good, right? But Netflix is thinking, we are going to gain more paying subscribers by booking this guy than we will lose over any outrage. We've known this. The, 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 the leftist outrage, the, the, the faux complaints, it's like 30 people on Twitter who won't stop talking and they convince people like Patton Oswalt. He gets convinced, oh, everyone's mad at me because he got like 30 people constantly spamming him over and over and over again. Reminds me of uh, uh, that Family Guy joke where the guy's like, we got seven phone calls last, last night, That's which right. means 70 billion <laughs> people are yeah. upset. That's what it is. So Dave Chappelle is going to keep getting booked. We're going to keep laughing. But you guys, I don't know if you guys saw his last special. They're getting to him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was defensive. He, yep. he spends a lot of, I would say the past few specials, he spends a, a portion of the time sort of defending himself against claims being made against him, right? Which is not really where you want to be as a comedian. Nope. You, you, you want to focus on the jokes, on the entertainment. It does sound like, you know, if I was him, I maybe I'd avoid some of those jokes in the next special, focus on some different topics, or just take some time off. But, you know, he's in that space now. And I think it's just, it is, again, that small minority of persistent, angry people can do this to you if you're in certain social spaces, even if the vast majority of America, I think, understands that Dave Chappelle's always been a little bit risque. He's always been a little bit edgy. Um, but he's there to make you laugh. He doesn't actually hate anybody. He doesn't try to make anyone hate anybody. Uh, but that's where a lot of these yeah. spaces are now. And that's why someone like Patton Oswalt feels like he has to apologize for a friendship with one of the most, probably one of the most popular entertainers in the entire country. But yeah. they made Dave Chappelle get serious, and that's what really kind of affected everything. And and you br- you bring up a small amount of people. We have to understand that these small amount of people have a lot of institutional power, especially when it comes to the corporate media literally promoting a Netflix protest, saying, no, no, speaking about it. But but when you talk about something and say, there's going to be a big protest here, there's going to be a protest here, you're bringing attention to it. Just to clarify, yeah. though, when we're talking about a small amount of people, we're talking about, you know... Uh, John, you know, at John nine six three two one on Twitter, it's these random profiles where they they have no followers. They're not necessarily bots. I don't think they're bots. They could be sock puppets. But someone like Pat Oswalt, you look at his tweet about this, and he's just inundated with like you. You can really only see maybe like thirty to fifty tweets or, or whatever. Before, like unless you really want to scroll through everything, and they're like, "Do better." I can't believe you would do this. Dave's hurting us, and you're like, "That's probably thirty to fifty people." Out of the millions of people who follow Patton Oswalt, how many are logging onto Twitter, clicking his post, and then complaining 0.001%, but these people see these things, and they assume that, wow, everybody's mad. I better talk about something, making it worse. Dave Chappelle gets dragged into it. He got serious. And there was a, there was a CNN article generated about this, right? right? There was actually a CBC journalist, a Canadian Broadcast Corporation journalist, who just resigned from her post, uh, and she just wrote a Substack piece about why. And one of the complaints that she had was that, you know, you guys kept running these articles about how people find Dave Chappelle offensive. Why didn't we ever go to the vast majority of people who just like him and ask them what they think, <laughs> right? Like, the media may be a small number of people, but it is a powerful institution, and they, you know they're going to be writing articles about you. You know that someone's going to be taking issue with it. Even if it's a few dozen people at Netflix, it's going to be portrayed as a massive staff revolt. You know, that is a headache in and of itself. Imagine 
the narrative being that Netflix knows their audience doesn't like Dave Chappelle, that people are greatly offended and don't watch it, and they booked him anyway. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. No, they're booking him because he's bringing in members. He's bringing in money. Now, for me, I don't have a Netflix account ever since they did that thing with the cuties. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Did they, like, double down on it? Sure did. It's bad enough Netflix has that show about... I don't even want to talk about this show. Yeah. A bunch of mainstream celebrities talking about kids in adult situations, and that is putting it very lightly. <laughs> I'm surprised they have that show in the first place. I don't know anybody who watches it, to be completely honest. Uh, and, like, for the most part, you know, we're not like a staunch conservative suit-wearing TPUSA kind of, kind of place around here. You know, we have, like, skaters, skateboarders, rollerbladers, punk rock, music. Contrarians. Relative contrarians to a certain degree. And people aren't just being like, oh, turn on, you know, Big Mouth on Netflix. That's a show I like. People are like, that's nasty. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what they were thinking with that show. It's just whatever. But, hey, look, I'm not interested in watching a show like that or watching Cuties. And if they are if they want to keep doubling down on that stuff, I'm, I'm not going to be interested in being a member or subscribing to that to a platform like that. You know what I mean? And I, and I think that raises a lot more controversy, uh, especially with with the cuties. A lot of people not signing up then compared to Dave Chappelle. That's only from my perspective. I could be wrong, but but again, they continue to work with Dave Chappelle. That's a big sign that obviously the general public, the a large vast amount of people like his comedy. They want to hear edgy stuff. They want to hear stuff that lightens the situation. And when you're able to joke about issues that the establishment doesn't want you to talk about if you're able to joke around serious issues you're able to of course make people relate to them better you're able to of course get rid of a lot of the stigma a lot of the hate a lot of the negative energy around it i would say comedians are absolutely crucial towards bettering society bettering our discourse and this is an effort to as we were talking about earlier to destroy that conversation and to create more echo chambers I, i feel like almost the way that comedy is getting around this a little bit is um a lot of these networks are bringing in either foreign or I think maybe more cultural, you know, niche cultural subjects and actors and producers to produce a lot of the same stuff. Like um, if you watch some of the foreign programming on Netflix, I think you'll find much kind of racier jokes or much uh, edgier, more risque material than I think what you might see in a Dave Chappelle stand up. And I think part of that is that you, that you kind of get an out, right? Like if it's like, if it's a uh, foreign produced, if it happens to be international comedy or international cultures, uh, maybe these same subcultures of Americans in these companies and institutions and media give it a little bit more of a pass, right? Um, which is kind of funny. Like if you have to watch like a Korean drama to be able to like see funny comedy about topics that people want to be transgressive about, but uh, it almost feels like you have to do that sometimes. There's a video on oh. YouTube. Oh yeah, that uh, we we bring up every so often. It is from August 9th, twenty ten. It is from the Onion. And it is titled, Overcome Stress by Visualizing It as a Greedy, Hook-Nosed Race of Creatures. Oh, my. It's the onion, and I can't even tell you what the jokes are about because I'm... This. I, yeah? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm wondering if we can because it's on YouTube oh itself. But it's a woman, and she's like, when you have money troubles, visualize a greedy, hook-nosed race of creatures... And it's very obviously like a, a right. demeaning picture, uh, like a, a very disgusting picture of a stereo. Like I don't even, I don't, I don't even want to, I don't even want to get into it. I don't. Get, the point is, I think people <laughs> understand the joke the onion's yeah, making here. Yes. Terrible. And this has got 1.5 million views. YouTube mm-hmm. still has it up. This is what comedy was just 10 years ago mm. for for these these networks. Well, now comedy's turned right. into like what South Park did the joke with Jimmy. He's like, "Hey, what's the deal with Mexican food? It's excellent cuisine, and I love it." 
Like, it's not even Ray a joke. Comedy, it's just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, actually, it is kind of funny when the, you're making uh, fun of it. Well, one, one show I really like is called Rami, and I don't know if you guys, if you guys have seen Rami. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, it's about a, it stars an Egyptian American uh, who's also the, the writer and showrunner. And, you know, he lives in New Jersey, and he has an Egyptian American family. He's trying to grow up in the States with kind of these cultural clashes and, like, he has an uncle who's like very anti-Semitic and like constantly making Jew jokes, but he like, he still loves him, even though he kind of tells him that's like not right to do that. But like, yeah, that's the cultural context you have to go to to, to discuss something like that. Because like, it's not openly like if the character was like white American or like Christian or something like they wouldn't be allowed to have an uncle who does that and like talk about it and like actually normalize it and let people like talk around their differences because you have to actually cast a character like that and have a showrunner like that to be actually able to broach these issues now because there's so much sensitivity in talking about cultural differences, right? If you watch an older, some of those older shows like Good Times or The Jeffersons uh, from the 60s and 70s, they openly talked about like racial stereotypes of, of like whites and blacks between yeah. each other. That's how they broke down a lot of the difference. Now it's just like you just have to say the party line. Like the, you break these things down by just beating things into people's heads rather than actually letting them be open about their prejudices and talking them through, right? I mean, you look at uh, uh, Patton Oswalt as a person, and then you look at Dave Chappelle as a person, and I'm just like, I kind of know who I'd rather watch if I was given that opportunity. The, you know, the, the whiny crybaby who's like, I'm so sorry for all the pain, or Dave Chappelle who doubles down. Granted, he got a little bit defensive on his last special, for sure, mm-hmm. but absolutely was like, I don't care. You know what I mean? I'm going to say what I want. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's more appealing to me. It's more honest. Well, that's why they're trying to get rid of him. Anyone speaking truth is is deemed as a heretic in this new kind of cult of woke. And he's the one willing to speak the larger truths that a lot of people are thinking but too afraid to say. And we're we're pretty far away from the days of George Carlin, Richard Pryor, and Bill Hicks. But, man, did those individuals make comedy great, make the First Amendment something that a lot of people stood behind. And and, uh, these larger ideas that they represented, that they were able – the effect that they were able to have on people – was so important, and I don't think enough people attribute them to the larger successes that we have as a country, as a nation, as a culture, uh, because of these individuals that stood on their principles, and, and in some instances were even arrested for it. So, uh, shout out to, in the, to those individuals. If you haven't heard of them, if you're someone who never heard of these names, look them up, look up their old videos, and be, pre- be prepared to be astonished at the larger truth bombs that they were dropping on people that absolutely have awakened humanity. You have a list of names? Uh, I just uh, listed uh, three of them. I-, I could probably think of some more. W- what are your favorite comedians? I mean, Eddie Murphy, too. Eddie Murphy was also able to go to places that a lot of people saw as extremely controversial. Right. He doubled down, tripled down on it, um, especially when it came to Bill Cosby. Um, Eddie Murphy called out Bill Cosby way before anybody else uh, in, a, in a very, very important way. Who- who's your guys' favorite? Linda? Um, my, so my favorite comedians are not really all that transgressive. I've never really got into George Carlin. Um, but I feel like every comedian has some form of history of offensive jokes that they now are walking back. And I've always felt that a lot of these comedians have made a point of pulling up the ladder behind them, which I really hate to see. I would like to see some of them with some form of character, which is why I really liked Dave Chappelle. And I do hope this is not getting to him. But or, or, or all these comedians can just be like, shut up. I don't care. I'm going to make jokes. Yep. Well, in the the 1990s, uh, Congress brought a series of people to testify and grill them. Some of them were the heads of uh, labels for uh, musicians and Mm -hmm. and artists, recording artists. Uh, Others were heads of like video game firms like Sega of America and so on and so forth. 
and universally what they would say is like this is our freedom of expression we don't think that this is going to promote real world violence or real world misogyny real world etc etc um you know this is a place that people go to escape so on and so forth now those very same firms when they're grilled by congress when they're grilled by the media typically they they concede something right typically they back down or they try to appease the the opposition i think the culture of their response has changed a lot in the face of a lot of these protests and i'm not sure what the difference is between now and the 1990s but you'll see you know tipper gore uh bob dole joe lieberman bill clinton these people all going after these companies and the company's just responding that it's our right to to be able to speak freely and um, you know, it's entertainment. It's they not real. It's money. not real life, right? Yeah. People in the comment section are bringing up uh, Andrew Dice Clay, mm. uh, Lenny Bruce, Norm, yes. uh, uh, Norm McDonald, and Norm. Also, yeah. of course, uh, Bob Saget. And uh, Bob Saget, oh, yeah. he yes. right there. I mean, if there's if there's something that's going to raise a couple hairs on your head, it's definitely the comedy of uh, Bob Saget. So there's been a number of individuals, and and I think the reason why why we go to comedians is because they're able to talk about these issues that so many people are afraid to talk about and there's not only a layer of kind of controversy people are also talking about patrice o'neill he was also really just an amazing comedian uh mel brooks as well but but they're able to to you know hash things out through a way that is bringing people together instead of dividing them and if you want to push the divide and conquer agenda effectively you have to get rid of comedy you have to get rid of satire because it's one of the most effective weapons against the establishment against the ruling elite against the very powerful because if you mock them you take away all of their power and all of their influence and we need more mockery than ever ladies and gentlemen it is 2022 yes welcome (laughs) to the first show of the year on timcast irl and this is an election year it is a, a main election year. 2020 was a, the biggest election year. 2019 was the primary season. 2018 was the midterms. 2021 is when everyone is just z- zoned out. They are, they are beaten down and tired. 2022, the House, the Senate, they're at stake. And we are, there, there are predictions um, from many pollsters, uh, many analysts of a red tsunami. Now, it's not just that people are sick and tired of Democrats, that independent voters are favoring Republicans in the double digits. It's that gerrymandering also just happened. Redistricting happened. And now there's an expectation that all of these Republican controlled states, because people were voting in their local elections, have set it up so that Republicans are more likely to win. Combined with the fact that we have a massive number of Democrats retiring, Fox News reports surge in House Democratic 2022 retirement announcements as 2021 comes to a close. They say a trio of Democrats in the House, Reps uh, Stephanie uh, Murphy of Florida, Lucille Roybal-Allard of California, and Albio Sires of New Jersey last week said they'll, they'll retire at the end of next year rather than run in the 2022 midterm elections for another term in Congress. The latest news brought to uh, 23 the number of House Democrats who are retiring or bidding for another office. We just got news that I think, who was it? Bobby Rush? Was yeah, it, was what's it? the name? Mm-hmm. Is also not going to be seeking re-election. There's actually a, an announcement from a bunch of Democrats who had lost in 2018 who were going to try and run again. Also now announcing they're not even going to bother trying to run, even though they aren't in office. Something is happening. I think the Democrats see the writing on the wall. Nobody wants to be that losing candidate. So they're like, what's the point? If you can't win, do something else. A bunch of these Democrats are running for other offices, you know, in in the state, governorships or whatever. Many are just bowing out. I don't know, man. Red Wave, what do you think? 
it seems like if the election were held, you know, next week, that would be the case, right? Mm. Uh, the question, I think, is uh, can the Democrats instill some confidence on issues like what's happening in the economy, what's happening with COVID? I think Biden's Biden's mandate was basically normalcy, right? Can he create a normal political, social, and economic environment? And I think part of that is like getting past the pandemic. Part of that is getting past COVID-19. And I think there's people within his political party they really don't want to do that. They're not ready for that. I think they've inculcated a certain mindset among a lot of the Democrats on COVID-19 that it's just very hard to overcome, even though there are signs that I think the Biden administration is pushing in that direction. I don't think they're going to be able – look, I, I hate to say I know what's going to happen. I don't. Based on everything we've seen with the polls, I think it's fairly likely the Democrats, they know what's happening. The writing's on the wall. But I, w- I want to show you – you mentioned Joe Biden. I want to show you this meme that's been going huh. around. I did not make this. Yeah. It says 2020, Biden-Harris – Every single COVID death is someone Donald Trump murdered. 2021, Joe Biden eating an ice cream cone. There's nothing I can do, Jack. That's where we're at. Joe Biden, the Democrat, look, I think the Democrats uh, voters, they voted for Biden because they hate Trump. Without Trump, they have no identity. That was their whole rally, that was their whole rallying cry was orange man bad. And now there's nothing. Going into the midterms, you've got parents who are livid. You've got an economy in shambles. You've got Joe Biden saying there's nothing we can do at the federal level. Well, I'll tell you this. You, you vote in the primaries and get rid of all of the establishment Republicans, bring in some populists who believe in America. They'll bring your jobs back. They'll, they'll secure your borders. They'll make sure the country's economy is getting back on track. I don't necessarily have anything to say about an individual candidate, but I'll tell you, the Democrats ain't going to do it. They have become the party of big business, massive corporate wealth. You take a look at people like Hassan Piker, who is one of the most prominent voices among progressives, and he supports the government mandating you be administered a private product from a massive multinational unaccountable corporation with no liability protections. And I don't care what the dude says he claims about, you know, I don't care what his claims are about supporting universal health care nationalization of big pharma. It's like, dude. You're sitting here right now telling us that you want the government government to be able to mandle, ma- mandate a private product to be administered to people if they want to engage in public in public accommodations, if they want to be able to use these things. I'm sorry. This is what the, the modern left is. This is, you know, he he's one of the one of the, if not the biggest political commentator on the left. And that's what young leftists follow support for that kind of system. Not always. Not everybody who watches likes him. I get that. But that to me is insane. I can sit here all day and say that uh, a lot of Trump supporters are in a cult and, 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 you know, worship the ground Trump walks on. I can say that Donald Trump is, he represents the worst of American culture, in my opinion. I can say he had a lot of really good policies. And as much as a lot of people didn't like him for who he was, he was actually bringing factories back. He was trying to secure America's borders and bolster our economy. So people, whether they liked him or not, they voted for him. There are certainly a lot of people who love him. We're not getting that from the establishment. The Democrats are offering us nothing other than Trump is bad. And people, they're like, I don't know anything about that at the point. Trump's not the president. The economy is in shambles. My life is not going well. I'm tired of the lockdowns. They just brought back mask mandates down the street because huh. we're on the border of the, of the county. And it makes literally no sense. And I'm like, these people need to be stripped of all power. They are completely insane. And that is the Democratic Party and the Republican establishment. So one of the things I noticed, one of the things I think the Democrats really should have done, and then I have a question for you, um, is 
they should have run on getting rid of Trump because that's a pretty strong platform. And then the first thing they should have done is turned and said, we have to have issues that we're fighting for, not just stuff that we're fighting against, because it's not a winning strategy in the long term. They had to have known this. I just don't think they were thinking anywhere near far enough past stage one. And then for you, in your um, meme here, you use the term mass formation psychosis. And I haven't really been able to get into this, but I keep seeing it. Can you like unpack that for us? Well, I, I, I just use that phrase in reference to, uh, it's a cult. It's a okay. cult that, that's formed. Oh, okay. I've, I've long said that they're a chaotic and destructive force, the left. I don't like the idea of, uh, I've actually been critical of those who say it's critical race theory over and over again, because what's happening on the left isn't just critical race theory. That's right. why I like to say wokeness or something. Right. It is, all of these things are just an amalgam of contrarian, I hate the other, that's our identity. There, you know, it's really funny. You look at Reddit, you look at the comments, and they'll say, all the Trump cult, they just hate the other side. And it's like, who are you listening to? Who are you watching? Because if you watch, like, I don't know, Stephen Crowder, one of the most prominent, independent, conservative voices, he's actually making arguments. Right. He doesn't just hate you. In fact, he tries to debate you, to right. bring you on and convince you Change of these my things. Mind. Who are they actually listening to? Oh, CNN, mm. Brian Stelter, Jake Tapper, Cuomo, well, he's gone. Things like that. Mass formation psychosis, in my view, is, I'm just referencing all of these people. They, 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 their world was, was, was getting crazy. Social media was crazy. They latched on to this narrative that Trump was the cause of all of it. And you were mentioning something earlier that uh, Michael Malice said. They thought Donald Trump was the was the river when he was actually the dam. Yeah, I messaged you. I said that one of the most insightful things that I think I've ever heard a modern political commentator say is something Michael Malice said, and that was they thought that um, Trump was the river. Wait, what was it that he said? They when, thought Trump was the river, but he was actually the dam. Yes. So that means that he was kind of holding back this huge wave of populism. Um, he was really just the tip of the iceberg, which is something that they weren't counting on. And now I think they're seeing the other side of that. When Donald Trump goes on stage with Bill O'Reilly and he gets booed by his mm-hmm. audience, it's not a cult. Right. It is, it is angry people. They are uh, America first individuals. They are fed up with all of this. I think the Democrats know all of this. All right. All right. Hot shots. Pop quiz. Name a Democrat who could win a presidential election <laughs> who's relative. Like right now. Name somebody. I've been thinking Oprah. about that. Oprah. <laughs> yeah, Oprah. Oprah. Michelle Obama. <laughs> yeah, Michelle Obama. Michelle like, Obama, a- Oprah. A- actively right now in politics. Right uh, now in politics. Who's, who's a prominent? Oh, sure. Trump, you could, you Trump could. was never in politics either. Right. Trump Trump was planning on running. He, he, he ran Trump. a number of times. He it, lost right. before. Yeah. It's it's so uh, I'll be the first to say I've stated before I think Michelle Obama could win. I don't think I don't think I don't think she can win at this point. Hmm. I do not think so. Really? But obviously Michelle Obama because if you take a celebrity and you know put them in a position they might get the votes. Hmm. But like I'm, I'm I mean like who among Democrats right now? I mean they, uh, Oprah's they, a TV show. Host. They don't have a bench, right? Right. They, they, they have not yeah. developed because their leadership is so old. Mm-hmm. They have a young generation, but those young generation are way too young, right? Like people in their early 30s are not going to be running for president, right? So they don't have that middle layer of people of kind of like statesmen and stateswomen who could just jump into the presidential spot. And, you know, the, typically in this scenario, you'd, you'd line up the vice president, but nobody likes the vice president. Yep. She's even more unpopular than Joe Biden is, mm-hmm. right? And Actually, I think that flipped recently. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. I think I think his approval dropped below hers. It's oh so bad. Gosh. And that's really that's bad. That's even worse. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So I I think come in 2022, the Democrats have, have awakened to the reality. Without Trump, they have nothing. Well, look, I— And, and the right uh, doesn't need Trump. I, I live in Virginia. I did some reporting on the election. And at one point, I got a mailer from the Democratic Party of Virginia about Glenn Youngkin, the Republican candidate. 
and it was full of Trump quotes about mm. Glenn Youngkin. It was just talking about how Trump has endorsed Youngkin, how much he likes Youngkin. Didn't say anything about the Democratic candidate. Didn't really say anything about Youngkin himself. Just talked about Trump. McAuliffe, the Democratic candidate for governor who lost, kept talking about Trump. Every other line out of his mouth was Trump, 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 Trump. That's their motivating factor, right? They, they, you know, it's the dog running after the car. They caught the car. Trump's gone. <laughs> Trump is gone. But that's still their campaigns. That's still their focus is Trump. And the problem is that that might work for the hardcore Democratic faithful. But a lot of those people in between, the Hispanics, the Wall Street Journal had a really good article about Hispanics are now, like, split between the parties. Uh, we had Rui Tejera on our podcast on inquiremore.com, who is one of the emerging Democratic uh, majority author whose uh, thesis has been badly misinterpreted. He was saying it's not true that just because, you know, America is going to have be many more minorities, the Democrats are automatically going to win because Hispanics care about issues like, you know, basic bread and butter issues. And they care about they don't want to defund police. They don't want kind of a radical social agenda. You know, these are very middle, middle of the road type voters. And I think these middle of the road type voters, you know, just being against one person for the rest of their life, Donald Trump is not a motivation to vote, right? Getting things basically working in their lives is the motivation to vote, and the Democrats really aren't doing that when there's a permanent COVID COVID emergency that they just can't overcome, right? And they have to either admit it's what they're doing doesn't work, and that they've wasted your time, or that it's over and they lose that that emergency you know power, that fear factor. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I care about. For one, the economy is trash, inflation is through the roof, and we need to get this country working again. The current policies are are, are disaster. But I also want to mention the insanity of it all. So this past weekend, uh, I was with my girlfriend. We went to go with sushi. We walk into this restaurant, which is, I, I kid you not, the, 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 the restaurant was probably about as big as two of this studio room. So that's like, you know, 15 by 35. The restaurant was probably like 15 by 50 or something. There was a table about 10 feet away from where we were standing. We walk up the stairs and there's a, a waiter. And he's wearing a mask and he sees us and he goes, do you have masks? And we were like, no, we, we don't have any. Like, there's the, the mask mandate literally came back the day before. Yeah. It was at 5 p.m. on December 31st. So we're there on, like, you know, New Year's Day or whatever. Like, you know, we're just going to grab some sushi. I'm like, no, we don't have any. And it's like, well, you need to wear them. And then I look around and I see 20 people sitting down and I'm like, nobody's wearing a mask. Like, they're all sitting here and they were like, well, they're sitting down. And I was like, all right, can I, can we just sit down? Like, there's a table literally 10 feet in front of us. And he was like, yes, but you have to have a mask. And I was like, but no one is wearing one. Like there's, they're all talking, they're all laughing, they're all eating and they're not wearing masks. But I wasn't, I was, I was like, okay, no, I, I get it. We'll sit down. And he says, fine. But if you get up, you have to have a mask. So he hands us masks and say, okay, no problem. I don't care. And then he's grabbing the menus to take the two seconds to walk us to our seat. When all of a sudden behind the counter to my right, I hear someone yell, put the mask on. Wow. And then I was like, we're going to sit down. Like, no, you have to wear it. What? And then I was like, but I can take it off when I sit down. They're like, yes. And I went, are you serious? And they all, all the staff go, yes. And I was like, dude, I am out of here, man. Like, there, there is a certain degree to where when all this started, they said mask mandates. I'm like, I get it, man. Masks stop you from spitting on people. They don't stop the aerosolized virus, to my understanding. But spitting on people can also transmit. So that I get. That makes sense to me. But when you're in a restaurant and they're like, take this disposable mask you're going to throw away in 30 seconds. We don't actually expect you to wear it while you're here, but you have to pretend to be doing something for some reason. I'm like, dude, why are you doing this? This is going beyond insane. And that is something that Frederick County and uh, there's a couple counties in, in, in Maryland are doing. New York has va- has vax or mask as a statewide policy now. And I'm like, look, if you want to go to a record store, I, I understand that argument. But if you don't have logic behind your policies, then you are cowards. 
you are insane and this doesn't make any sense. So I'll tell you this. If the Democrats are going to keep running on ridiculous and not to mention polluting policies that that are just insane, we're environmentalists. We don't like global warming, but take this piece of trash you're going to throw away and not actually wear like they handed me garbage. They literally hand me garbage to sit down and throw in the trash. Yep. That was it for no other reason. Yep. So you know what we did? We got in the car. We drove only a few minutes because we're on a, we're, it's a border county. And then there we were eating sushi with no mask. Like, what is wrong with these people, man? That's what I'm sick of. I'm sick of the Democrats like AOC. She's in New York and she says, Kathy Hochul, maybe she could give Ron DeSantis some tips. Oh, is that true? AOC, you flew down to Miami to party with no mask on yeah. while, while saying that ending the mask mandate in Texas was going to get people killed. And then you think Ron DeSantis needs tips? Yo, you're going down. You don't believe in your own policies, but the cult members in your state don't read. They don't pay attention and they vote for people like you. I'm sick of it, man. Vote them all out. But I'll tell you this. If you don't vote in the primaries, you will get a bunch of neocon crackpots who the first thing they do is they go, now that we've been elected, we're going to stand by the mandate of the American people and reinvade Afghanistan. And great. That's exactly what the people want. Well, but but well, Tim, that, Tim, just really quickly, oh, yeah. you, you don't get it. The, the the masks worked so well the first time. The COVID policies worked so well the first time that we just have to do them again. Okay? Huh. <laughs> you, know, you know what I was thinking? Maybe Maybe it's because we only wore two masks. Maybe oh, we should wear yeah, four. That's right. Yeah. Well, I think you brought up a good point, though, in that the Republicans – could fall into the same trap now, which is that they could see that the democratic governance is unpopular. They could see the economic and public health emergency is kind of unpopular. They could ride that wave into power, and then they could just do nothing, right? I mean, that's kind of what they did uh, yep. in, in 2018 with health care, right? They didn't have a health care strategy for the Affordable Care Act. They, they were the dog running after the car. They were saying, repeal Obamacare, repeal Obamacare. Said that for basically eight years. Once they got in a position to do something about healthcare, they didn't have any ideas. Uh, they basically said it's too complicated and they couldn't agree on anything, right? Um, the question is, are they actually going to have a governing agenda or they're, we're going to end up right back in the same place with parties trading places and not actually being able to, to resolve some of these things and move forward? Yeah, I have absolutely no hope in the Republicans. To me, they're going to be absolutely lame ducks. They're going to be sitting on their hands, and they're going to allow a lot of these egregious behaviors to happen, just like they did from the very beginning of this. So to expect them to do something different is absolutely naive. Big tech monopoly lobbying has a hold of a lot of the big conservative base. They're absolutely futile to actually challenge the establishment, and the few ones that do, they're the ones that get hit. They're the ones that get slandered. They're the ones that get uh, de- you know booted from their committees exactly. Meanwhile, so, the progressives just run amok in Congress. Huh. So you know what's happening right now is also absolutely crazy when we look at the raw numbers, uh, especially with people on Twitter making the case that you know there's huge numbers of cases in Florida going up and only concentrating on that and ignoring the fact that there's a lot more cases in New York and New York, of course, represents the state that did the most. What's the correct answer here? Uh, it's a very complicated one. It's not an easy one, but I I would end by saying you shouldn't have all of your faith, all of your cookies, and that Republican basket because you're going to be let down. Or or just vote in the primaries and make sure you get rid of the establishment. Well, here here's here's the new narrative. This is what we get. We got this from the Guardian. U.S. could be under right wing dictator oh. by 2030. Canadian professor warns. Canadian political scientist warns an op-ed of Trumpist threat to American democracy and possible effect on northern neighbor. I love how they're like, right-wing dictatorship is coming, and they show a picture of Trump. <laughs> I got to be honest, and I'm not trying to be mean. Not, 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 I'm not entirely convinced Donald Trump will even be alive in 2030. 
knows? Eight yeah. years from now, he'll be in his late 80s, mid to late mm-hmm. 80s. Okay. I mean, that's well above average life expectancy for uh, an, the average American adult male. But maybe, I got to be honest, Trump is pretty spry. So he could be, but under a right-wing dictator. See, I'll tell you what they're doing. Mm. They're just trying to generate fear to scare the left, to get them to rally around something. But I, I tell you, a mannequin will not be Trump. Donald Trump is that big imposing figure the left cowered and feared. And now they're like, but look at this invisible specter of right-wing Trumpism. And it's like, yo, I don't know what that is. I don't see anything there. It's hollow. Your argument is trash. I mean, they'll have to they'll have to portray whoever comes next as worse than Trump, right? Because <laughs> it's like it's like you have a television series and they're like, oh, the next season's nowhere near as exciting. You know, it's going to be boring. Actually, like no one's going to watch it, right? They're using the same principles as like as like entertainment or infotainment, um, which you know I I think it, it it's not even a, a a choice between whether they really believe this or they don't. I think a really good like propagandist believes what they're saying, right? Like I think a lot of people on the left have have convinced themselves that democracy is like five seconds away from you know disappearing. Uh, that allows them to project that same image to the rest of, of the planet, I think. Okay, you're correct. They're going to have to say that whoever comes next is worse than Trump. The problem is, take a look at this article from The Independent. Trump's denial of climate change represents worse threat to humanity than Hitler, says yeah. activist Noam Chomsky. Look at this dude, man. Whoa. Whoa. Yikes. Bro. Noam Chomsky has that famous uh, uh, video where it's like in the 70s and he's defending free speech, even ah. for those you disagree with. Now he's become this like disheveled old crackpot. Communist. And, but, but here's my main point. If they're now saying in more ways than one that Trump is worse than Hitler. Here's an article from Newsweek. A woman tweeted Hitler was better than Trump and Twitter won't say whether she broke its rules. If they actually believe that, then then what do they say about the next guy? Like, the, is the well, Antichrist well, or something? Yeah. Did, you, did you guys watch this Netflix movie, Don't Look Up? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I liked it. Well, okay. Yeah, I thought it was a fun movie in terms of it being watchable. And actually, someone I had worked with in the past, David Sirota, helped co-write it. So, I, oh, you know, cool. I'm, not, I'm not trying to be mean about it. But, like, one of the things the movie really gets wrong is that, okay, so the plot of the movie, for those who haven't seen it, is that a comet is heading towards the Earth. It's going to be there in six months. And the news media and well, politicians... Well, spoiler alerts. Ah! Just in Wait. case. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, an, it's a still new movie. All right. My, my, I'll do mild spoilers. I won't give anything too much away. But basically, the, 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 the arc of the plot is that the media and the politicians don't take it seriously. Like, they don't really care that a comet's going to head towards the earth and destroy everybody. And, you know, I watched that and I just thought to myself, it, it, it doesn't have any bearing on reality because, like, if there was a comet heading towards the earth, I think CNN would have like a comet hologram. <laughs> you know, I think they would have 25 comet watch. They would have like 25 <laughs> intersectional takes on the comet every day like what the comet is going to do to women and minorities like right. you know like <laughs> like the media the media in this country is driven by fear. It's not always fear of stuff you really should be all that scared of, I would say, but like they understand that fear sells, that fear gets clicks and there's absolutely no way that they will uh, pass up the challenge of an actual world-ending disaster. Right. Which, by the way, climate change is bad in many ways, but it's not actually a world-ending disaster. Like the planet will still exist, mo- the ecosystem will still exist, humans will still change. exist. It'll right. change. Uh, a comet would that, end life that's on a, Earth. That's a really good point. I can imagine Don Lemon doing, you know, Comet Watch. 
And they have like, they have the sidebar and it's like miles, mm-hmm. you know, time till hits the earth and like miles traveled. Mm-hmm. And then there will be like a special presentation where they like look at the sky and they have like a reporter on the ground. We're here in New York, the top of the Empire State Building. You can look up, you can start to see it forming. They would never yeah. stop. They'd have panels discussing yeah. like. No, no, they would have reenactments. They would have animated <laughs> reenactment, reenactments of people dying and getting obliterated. They would have a death counter. How many people are going to die? Every, how many people are going to suffer? Every, every Every segment would be yelling at the president, Mr. President, how dare you not blow up that comet? You know, you have to do this immediately. Like, it would be five alarm car fire. We know that because that's what happened with COVID-19, right? right? right, right. <laughs> Which was far less severe than a comet strike in the air. So I just, you know, it's a fun movie. I think it was an enjoyable watch, but... I do think that the writers kind of just missed it. Like that's that's there's, not the way the media operates. There's a meme I saw where it's the the, the Wojak fa- like face all happy, mm. and it's got the full political compass over the face, looking at the movie, saying, "Wow, it's it's proving me right and making fun of my political rivals." Like the movie made fun of literally everyone. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought it was all right, but it was obvious what the, the narrative was. The message was that climate change is serious. The scientists are warning us, and no one takes it seriously. But I, I think you're right. I think. The fear is, is, is too juicy for them to give up. But there's also a lot of people desensitized. As you were just talking about a few moments ago, people are angry, people are fed up. I absolutely believe that's the case, especially with COVID, especially with just how horribly the government messed up and how you would argue that every step of the way they made the situation that much worse. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that. But at a certain point, I think enough people say, hey, I'm just sick of this. This is not going to affect me. There's only so many times you could lunge out and scream boo at somebody before they're like, okay, this doesn't really work at all. And I think this is why there is a victory that we're having here that we need to note, and that is that news... Corporate news media viewership, by and large, has been going down by the years, and it has continued to go down, and I think that's a huge victory, and I think people are just getting so desensitized, so out of touch with it, or they're just going on Zoloft and other SSRIs, but 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 there's also a small section of that, but the majority of people are saying, this is not scary anymore. It's like a Halloween ride that just, you know, loses its its factor after going on it it's, so many uh, times. It's called, ne- yeah, it's like, it's a form of bias that, like, probably all the news has, which is called negativity bias, right? Like, they're always trying to tell you how the world's, like, going to hell in a handbasket, right? And at a certain point, why does someone want to sit there and watch that every single day? Even in the most trivial circumstances, you know, finding a woman in Central Park who's rude to somebody or something and putting the video on national news. Like, right. at a certain point, someone's going to be like, why am I watching this over and over? Like, why why am I getting this distorted view of the world? Why are they trying to make me miserable? I don't I don't think that's it because I think you can you can uh, levy some of that criticism towards us as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, sing, we see things in the news and we, we, we highlight like, wow, we think this is pretty bad and something needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. To be fair, though, you know, if you even look at some of the stories we did over, like, to, to the start of the show, like Joe Rogan leading the charge to to go against censorship is fairly neutral. Censorship is bad, but people fighting back is good. So we, we, we try not to be always very negative, but I think we're very negative. However, I think cable TV is driven specifically by editorial demand for negativity, which is, it's different from here. Like, we have actual, we, we, we're just, we're people with opinions. When we, before we start the show, we sit down. I say, like, hey, Luke, what have you seen in the news? What do you think is important? And Luke's got a bunch of stories like riots are happening here or this happens. And then we'll try and figure out what we think is, like, the most important thing that we should talk about. What, what, what matters most to people in terms of what's happening? For me, I thought the Joe Rogan thing was big because he's such a big celebrity mm-hmm. to push back against censorship. And I don't see that as a ne- negative for the most part. kind of mm-hmm. just is. But CNN, we learned this thanks to real journalists like Project Veritas. When you get that CNN producer saying that COVID uh, deaths were gangbusters for ratings, 
They put that big old thing, death counter on the, on the TV. Think about how despicable that is. Man, and, what, and celebrating and being happy about it that they were able to get ratings because of that fear. That's another mm-hmm. layer of it that really needs to be understood by people who consume media. Yeah. They should understand what they're getting and who they're getting it from. I mean, and when they're getting the news from CNN, you don't want to know who you're getting it from. When you find out, holy cow. You know, I mean, I think I, news media always has to address problems. Like, you know, I made, I made a couple of documentaries with Fox o- over the past year in different locations. But I think in terms of addressing the problems, you should also be addressing solutions. Like you should also be constructive. You should be trying to figure out like how do we solve this? Like what are what are people doing about it? And I think the difference between people sitting around talking about problems like we are and what CNN does is like CNN doesn't care if there ever is a solution to the problem. CNN is they just there to tell you that everything's horrible and you need to be yeah. addicted to us to keep telling you how horrible they're things are. They're incentivized right? to make it more horrible because mm-hmm. when they do, they get more viewership because of that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think this is in response to a lot of their coverage, which is, in my opinion, leading to some real life harm. I gotta tell you, man, you constantly just watching what's going on. You know, people have asked me like, man, it must, must get to you sometimes. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's not the news. It's, 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 it's more like the personal aspect. When I'm, when I'm reading stories about news, policy, worldly affairs, that's not a big deal. But when I read about incessant behaviors, that's really, um, it, 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 it it's, it's blackpilling. When you see like, hey, we're experiencing the same problem again because people just do the same thing over and over again, it kind of feels like a human macro level problem that's in, intrinsic to humans. Like, why do he, why do people in New York keep voting for Ocasio-Cortez? Well, they don't read the news. They don't watch the news. They get their, their information from word of mouth. They don't pay attention. So they're trapped in this cycle. And I don't see that as ever changing. I really don't. Until the, maybe the pot boils over and it knocks off the stove or something. For the time being, AOC can say like, oh, we got to have mask mandates. You know, Texas is killing people. And then go party in Miami because she knows her constituents won't read the news. And she gets away with it. So that, that that's the kind of thing where I'm just like, man, all of this could stop. And we could make a Minecraft channel and just talk about, <laughs> you know, the, the what, what, I don't even know anything about Minecraft. Creepers. Creepers. Yeah. Yeah, the yeah. creepers. Oh, they're getting to us. You know, it's all, oh, oh, you know. <laughs> but instead, it's just like the same thing every day. We've been talking about censorship for a decade. Ugh. We, and it's been getting worse. We've been talking about, you know, many of these cultural issues, the banning of comedy for, for, for five, six, seven years, and it just keeps getting worse. And at a certain point, it's like, are people going to keep behaving the exact same way? Is anything going to change? Or do we, are we stuck in a loop? Uh, but maybe, maybe it's not a loop. Maybe it's a downward spiral that eventually just reaches the, the point where we're spinning so fast. Just, I still, I still think the fact that we're still here is a victory. The mm-hmm. fact that against all odds, the algorithm changes, the tweaks, the demonetizations, the just deliberate efforts to stop any kind of independent speech. The fact that there's still some resilient people out there building infrastructure, building their own bases is is a victory in itself. And we're very blessed to still be here and still be able to still keep up the fight in some kind of way. Sorry, I, I cut you off there. No, I was just saying that, like, let's remember also, like, we're talking about this COVID emergency state. Like, the world came together. Governments came together. Business came together. Pharmaceutical came together. We all like dramatically altered our lifestyles in ways that we've never done before. People were, you know, doing these masks, people were social distancing, there was lockdowns, all this happened. And like you said, we're still here, right? They developed vaccines. Most people have gotten through this. Thankfully, this disease is actually not very harmful for children at all. People are slowly waking up to that. Um, we survived this much better than we have past pandemics, right? It's nothing like Sp- Spanish flu, so on and so forth. 
And I think that that's like a positive thing, right? Like we can't get too down on ourselves and say that, oh, America reacted to this so poorly. You know, we're so stupid. You know, take the don't look up view of the United States. We can also look at the fact that we actually the average American did tons of stuff in response to this that we'd never done before. We a lot of us did kind of rise to some kind of calling, even if some of these policies were misguided. Um and we're all still here. Like we survived this, and we're going to survive this. I'm I'm actually fairly optimistic on on where we're going in the future. I just feel like after seven or eight years of the same things happening over and over again, my, my what what I mean to say is the thing that's annoying and frustrating doing this job is that you hear the same stories on repeat. You know, sometimes they're slightly different. Sometimes they're just regurgitated, and it's you just kind of wish people would learn and change their behaviors. But I, I think the issue is that humans are. Uh, um, Human civilization is is emergent. It's constantly in flux with younger people aging and dying, and younger and, and then younger people coming and taking over. So you end up with people like uh, Vosh, for instance, who uh, comes on this show and said he didn't know anything about the Obama administration because he was just a teenager. But now he's a major you know uh, force in political commentary on the internet. Not the biggest channel in the world, but he's fairly large. He gets a lot of views, and he's having a conversation about politics when he wasn't around for what Obama had done and Biden as well. So he's lacking that experience. Mm. That makes it impossible for humanity to to effectively learn, in a sense. And not, not completely, just in, in some areas. However, I, I do think that people are going to get to a point where they just slam the table and say, I'm mad as hell, I'm not going to take it anymore. And that's why I think Democrats are, are resi- resigning and retiring or planning to retire in huge numbers. But let's go to Super Chats. Yes. If you haven't already, we have a pinned message. Just smash the smash like. Smash the like button. That made give sense. it a little. Give it a little tap. It's not supposed to make sense. It's, there, there's <laughs> an old advertising technique. When you present something that is is absurd to the brain, they're more likely to notice it. Oh, I see, I that's right. Yeah, there was this thing I watched where it shows like an old ad from the '50s, and there's a woman on a swing with three legs. What? Because it was like what? they wanted people to have it stick in their brain. Anyway, smash the like button. Subscribe to the channel. Share the show if you really do like it, and go to timcast.com. Become a member if you want to help support our work. We got a bunch of new merch. We got whacked shirts. <laughs> the, the, the money sign whacked. You can check out the little skull. It's really cool. That's at the TimCast.com store. And you can go to invertedworldbook.com if you want to pick up TimCast's first book. It's mysteries, murders, ghosts, paranormal, and a serial killer. Just tales of the of intrigue. And uh, we're going to have a members-only segment up around 11 or so p.m. for all you guys. Let's read some Super Chats. First Super Chat. I can't read your name because... Uh, YouTube blocks it. it says it's the establishment versus the rest of us. Mm. Yep. The problem is when you have young people who aren't familiar with what the establishment is doing or has done, they end up supporting it. And then you're up against young progressives who are just brainwashed into thinking populists are the bad guys, even though they're somewhat populist. I don't know. All right. Seth says, why did Nunes resign? Do you guys know why Nunes resigned? Mm-hmm. No, he, no. Really? He, he resigned he because he's going to be with, uh, yeah. with Trump Social. Yeah. yeah. Devin Nunes is going to be running Donald Trump's social media, yeah. uh, the Trump Social platform. And uh, my understanding is he believes that he will be more effective in helping get the word out and helping grow the Trump movement or just the populist right by working with social media and, and you know, getting past all the censorship. Joe Master says, good for Joe Rogan. I got suspended from Twitter for being mean to Keith Olbermann, LOL. Huh. You, see what, you know what's funny about that? Is that Keith Olbermann is one of the meanest people just ever? He's mm-hmm. just nasty, it's terrible. Like you, you got banned. How is he not banned? <laughs> right. I don't know if you get you guys ever you you interacted with him, Luke. 
Um, thankfully not. Uh, <laughs> it would be crazy if I did, especially with how flippant and emotional he he gets and and illogical. But uh, there's a lot of people who spread a lot of medical misinformation. The CEO of Pfizer said a lot of things that were absolutely not true on Twitter, and he has yet to be held responsible Rachel for it. Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow, Dr. Fauci. So many of the individuals lied it's, through their teeth. They need to be held accountable for it. They haven't. It's crazy. Rachel Maddow has spread so much dis and misinformation it is it is is laughable. If if misinformation was a quarter, she would be able to go to the arcade. She'd be able to play for a very long time. That's my best analogy I could come up with. Uh, it's just it's insane. There's like a video that I tweeted about, and it's funny. Because, you know what I love? I love on Twitter. I just post like it's it's all ish posts. It's all like just trash, garbage posts. And it, the funny thing is when the media takes the bait and runs stories on them, takes it seriously. I tweeted Rachel Maddow please, should be banned for this. I got my opinions from Twitch. Like I was making a joke about left-wing streamers supporting massive private corporations controlling the flow of, uh, of speech. Right. And then all of a sudden I have people like leftists tweeting like, Jim supports censorship. <laughs> well, if you're not smart enough to see through, I get it. Clever. Mm. All right. All right. All right. Everybody, congratulations. You were correct. We have uh, Woot f- do for you. Langoliers. Greg, the Langoliers. Rocco, Rocco, the band. Langoliers. Rock, Rocco. Um, St. Miles, Langoliers. Kiwi, Langoliers. That's right. The reference I made earlier in the show as to why Ian is not here was a reference to Stephen King's The Langoliers. I couldn't figure that out. I was like, why are oh, people really? saying Did this? you know that, Luke? I thought you were talking about Lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I, I, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah. I don't think you knew what you were talking about. The Langoliers, they, 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 they're sleeping in a plane. They wake up, and everyone's gone, and like their clothes are all there. Oh. The plane went through a, a rip in the time-space continuum, and they're basically – time moves forward, and the past is eaten by Langoliers, and they get – like the, 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 whatever the thing that moves time forward, they go through. And so they're trapped mm-hmm. in a past where everything's frozen. Like nothing moves. Everything's stale. Watch and this. then they see the Langoliers start destroying everything. So they're like, quick, get in the plane. And they fly the plane. And then the, the dude turns the pressure down so everyone passes out again. And then the plane, they wake up and they're back in reality or whatever. <sighs> yeah. I like Stephen King, man. Yeah. He's, he's kind of a creepy dude, but he's got, you know, he's got some good stories, you know? Good author. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, Patriot Paladin says Stephen King's Langoliers. Oh. Neo Kashi says, I, I see you've seen the Langoliers. Yeah, the, the movie they did was from a, a, a very long time ago. I don't know if you guys ever saw it, it was like the 90s. Sai Onois says, doing my part, I'm building decentralized social media, defluencer on GitHub, live streaming videos, comments, blog, and more. Very cool. Yeah, that's one of the nonprofits that we're working on for this year is the On Foundation. Uh, Ian and many others are, are working really hard. And that is to create decentralized social media so that you will own your own website, social media system. No one can ban you but the individual pieces of the infrastructure. And then, you know, you'll, you'll be able to uh, network with everybody without getting banned. Are you, are you just yawning, Luke? I didn't know if you were going to Yeah, I'm yawning. You're just yawning? Yeah. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. says, Tim, so you're telling us that last year was an off year. That means this year is an on year. All I can say is hide your kids, hide your wife. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's going to get banned, man. Be fun. All right. A million and one comments about the Langoliers, Langoliers, Langoliers. Roberto Lara says, Tim, don't forget the Large Hadron Collider is getting powered up this year. With twice the power. What? There's already political memes, good and cringed in uh, in culture groups that I'm in. Also, Florida's governor race is this year, too. Really? I didn't know that. Florida's governor race is this year? Oh, look that up. 
So when I saw that video uh, of the photos of, of AOC at that event with no huh. mask on, people were cheering for her and like dancing. And I'm like, who are these 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 Florida Democrats that like AOC, who supports mask mandates and vaccine mandates, but are in a state where they don't have that, won't abide by those rules, which they could choose to do if they want to. I, I don't understand. Help me out. What? what? Nothing? Doesn't make sense. Nobody, nobody knows. It's a glitch nothing. in the matrix. A glitch yeah. in the it's matrix. A collider. People who who like want that to be happening, man. Yeah, it is this year, it's November. All right. Uh, Pioneer Smokehouses says, I was thinking a lot about what could trigger civil war, and I think moving voting control to the federal government could be bigger than pro-life issue. Is that, uh, um, was it HR1? Oh, I'm not sure. I yeah, I think they're probably referring to voting, the voting bill. Yeah. Do you know anything? Do you guys know anything about that? No. Nope. No. Luke's just very quiet. Yeah. Well, well, they're trying to figure out a way to pass it because... They don't. They can't get their filibuster on it. So, oh, that's right. They were talking about the filibuster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nambot says, "Did you really just reference Langoliers? OMFG, I knew I loved you guys. <laughs> there you go. Hunter's crack pipe says, "Just say Hunter's crack pipe is hard to put down." <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- there was an interesting point brought up about the, the picture of Hunter Biden with sleeping with a crack pipe in his mouth. That someone who was smoking crack would never fall asleep while doing crack. Yeah, it's an I think upper. I think my friend Justin told me this. Mm. Yeah, it's an upper. Yeah. Like people who smoke, they're they're wired, they're crazy. Like, like weed. So they think that the photo may have been like someone screwing with them, hmm. or maybe like, it wasn't crack. Maybe it was something else. Maybe like a downer hmm. that he was also smoking. I don't know. What could he have been smoking? I don't know. It was a crack pipe, dude. I'm not sure. Luke, are you familiar with? I'm not. <laughs> You're I'm making not, a reference. No, stop right there. I'm, I'm not an expert in uh, crackheads, to be honest with you. Um, I try to keep my dealings uh, as far as away from them as possible. Smart. All right, Michael Holder says, "Bring Nerd Roddick back, or one of the geeks and gamers crew to school Luke on Game of Thrones." Love you, Luke, but not a Disney ending is a stelter level bad take. Hey, that's your opinion. Subjective. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Like that's fine. I'm a, I'm entitled to have my perspective, and you're entitled to have yours. Um, okay. Cat's claws. We're just gonna get. We're just gonna. I'm just gonna have to read it. He says, "I don't like Ian. He's the main reason why I haven't subscribed to TimCast.com. Here's ten dollars for a great week without Ian. That was really nice. Thanks. Love having Luke around. Uh, around though. Uh, I like Ian. I think Ian's great." I think often Ian asks us moral questions that um, kind of break the echo chamber, and that's kind of the issue. I mean, it, it's difficult because obviously we don't want a bad show. If people are, are like you know unimpressed by Ian's either not either lack of conversation or or bad questions, then I would I, I would agree like it's an issue. But like there were really good. There's, there's been really great conversations that Ian he's got views that many of us don't have, and it's mm-hmm. good to have a different voice. I mean, Ian is for the death penalty. And he's like some hippie guy. And it's... He has interesting views. Yeah. But he's also asked us stuff that we don't normally think about, which I think is a good thing. He asked us, you know, we oppose the mandates, but would we oppose mandates for like if there was if there was an Ebola going around? Yeah. And I'm like, that's a good question. He's like, if you really think about it, what is it called? Hemorrhagic fever? Hemorrhagic fever, yeah. Hemorrhagic fever, exactly. where you like bleed internally from the fever. Like if people were just walking around, their eyes started bleeding ah. and they vomited blood and collapsed, <laughs> I might be a little more like, I'm not going outside ever again. Get out of my house. You know, I don't know. 
Ian is Ian. No, no, no. I'm asking you about hemorrhagic <laughs> fever, Luke. Uh, like, I, I'm not an expert in hemorrhaging fever. I'm just. Let saying. me ask you the question: If people were walking around and started vomiting blood and bleeding from their eyes, would you be like for or against mandates? Did they see um, a, 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 what's it called? That CNN? Uh, what's it? Uh, what's his name? Uh, reliable sources. Yes. Did uh, they just Brian. see Brian Settler? Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> whatever his name is. Um, I'm against the government doing anything. I don't give a damn what, what, what ha- what's going on. They're going to make the situation worse. They're going to figure out a way how eye bleeding is going to uh, be monetized for them, and they would they would create a policy against eye bleeding, but they would make people uh, Everyone's bleed more wear from goggles. the eyes. You know, I, I think I'd still be against it, though. I think you know we thought we we we, we talked about it. I think I'd still be against it because it would self regulate. If people were genuinely witnessing this stuff, they would absolutely, oh, everyone yeah. would self-isolate. There would be, yeah, you'd need no need, there'd be no need for this like intense policy or anything. Yeah. As soon as the government says, don't do this, there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to want to do something. Like people need to have personal responsibility, act on their own wills and understand that the government is never going to come in and save you. This naive belief that the government's going to help you or watch out for you is absolutely idiotic. It has almost never happened in recorded human history. And the more you believe in the idea, the more of the fairy tale you put into that, give that power, uh, the more you let yourself down and put yourself in danger. All right. Planet says Bannon's show plays the video on the out to commercial all the time. Yeah, I mentioned that. Oh, the Guo one. Yeah, it's a song. I don't know who this guy is. Um, other than there's been some stories about him, like he's he's I, I guess he's like what he he, he funds right wing groups or something or like right wing projects. No yeah. Chinese billionaire poses the CCP. The first time hearing about? about him. Look him up. Settle Dench says it's good to see that Ian survived an encounter with the Langoliers, and I'm excited to see him back on the show. Well, you know, he's 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 just not here. Uh, he should he should. He, I think he's actually in the building right now, but you know, not yet. No, oh, he's not. No, no, he won't be wow, here till man. after the show. I've been telling people like, don't fly right now, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. Because I've got family that are flying, and I was like, you're gonna get stuck. Yeah, they're canceling all of these flights. Yeah, I got. I, I think it's really obvious. It's the holidays. Yeah, they tell everybody you've got to get a negative test if you want to do X, Y, or Z. Many people are like, I want to make sure I get tested before I see grandma. So they all do. Then all of a sudden you get mass reporting of COVID of surging through the roof across the board. And then all of a sudden all the politicians are like, oh, geez, oh, no, lock everything down. And then these these people who are working in the airlines, they're all like, oh, wow, I'm sick. I guess I can't come into work. So everything's just being shut down. So one of the things that someone was pointing out, I forget where I heard this, but I guess if you say that you have a positive COVID test, you don't have to come into work. They can't do anything about it. You can just kind of call off consequence free. And I was like, that's kind of dangerous to incentivize that kind of nonsense. Really going to skew your numbers. All right. Um, well, I think I asked for this, but we got a ton of super chats about the Langoliers. <laughs> Maybe I should just do that in the beginning of every show. Ask like questions. make a root movie reference because then people super chat and it's, and it's good for the show. I love it. All right. I got to watch this now. Mark Dello Russo says, what are your opinions on RFK Jr.'s controversial new book? I appreciate his work, but skeptical because the truth is often elusive. Mm. What do you think, Luke? Um, absolutely. Great take. You should always be skeptical of everyone. And just because someone's on your side or someone has the same beliefs as you doesn't mean that they're always going to be correct and honest and, and upfront. Uh, <laughs> I personally like uh, RFK Jr. I think he does incredible work. I think he was also instrumental in bringing up a lot of the roundup uh, important court legal cases that are happening right now. So for me, he's done a lot of good work. And I always try to judge 
uh, a person by the fruits of their labors. And uh, there's a lot of fruit, a lot of positivity and a lot of good things that were brought on by this man. So he has a lot of credibility uh, about the assertions made about the real Anthony Fauci. I think it's there's a reason why it's one of the number one books on Amazon. Mm. I think it's very thought provoking and it's providing people a perspective of Dr. Fauci that is the complete opposite of what the media has portrayed him as. But if you want to be completely intellectually honest, you look at both perspectives, you make up your own decision after hearing them out and then look at what evidence suggests to be the truth. And that should be the side that you should be on no matter what. All right. McChilla says winning the fight against mandates is our last chance at a nonviolent resolution to get our freedoms back. We've got to start winning local battles. I went in to pick up a to-go order and was turned away because I refused to wear a mask. That's crazy. That, you know, you know, I was thinking we, we've got some plans for culture jamming. Um, I don't want to say too much about what a lot of, a lot of our ideas are, but I'm, I'm ready to just go full on. I don't even want to say uh, civil disobedience because I think we're going to work well within the system. Like a, a good example would be buying a billboard. Yeah. Buying a billboard not to make a public statement where it's like, hey, we think mandates are bad, but like to call out individuals and politicians to call out, uh, let me just put it this way, in unique ways that would be very culture jamming. And I'll give you an example. Um, the Yes Men. You guys, you guys know the Yes Men? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did this very famous uh, um, st- stunt where they cloned a Dow Chemical website. And then I think it was the BBC emailed the fake website saying we want to get someone to come on and speak about the Bhopal disaster where there's like a major chemical spill in India. I think it was in India. Mm-hmm. And then the activists goes on TV pretending to be from this major chemical co- uh, company and then says, we hereby take full responsibility for the disaster. We will be liquidating Union Carbide to pay for all of the damages and everyone. And it was like this huge moment. And then Dow was like, no, no, we do not accept. And it was yeah. like that's serious culture. Well, well right they there. said they would, they would be compensating the victims in this particular case, which made the stock go down dramatically <laughs> and have the company issue a public uh, announcement saying, no, 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 no. The victims here are not going to be compensated, which put them in a very difficult <laughs> space. And, uh, I remember that, that moment. It was, it was very sentimental. It was very, very big and, and yeah. showed you what impact you can make. So I'm, I'm thinking about that kind of stuff, you know, and I had some ideas like what would happen if you went to a business that was like enforcing mandates and just hired someone to hold a sign in front of the business, business that said, sorry, we're closed. Like, make no reference at all to the business. Make no reference at all to any mandates or any political statements. You just hire a guy be like, stand right here, hold up a sign saying, sorry, we're closed. That's, that's, that's it. That's it. Nothing else. Like, is that it? Well, they would all of a sudden be like, hey, how come no one's coming to our establishment anymore? So there's things like that. Now, I want to avoid actually going after the little guy in any way. So that's why we're looking at, you know, billboards and silly pranks and things like this that are all like not even civil disobedience, just, you know. Pranks is probably a better way to put it. Culture yeah, yeah, like, you know, like wear your mask, take this procedure because it worked so well the first time. <laughs> you know, something like that I think would be pretty. We got some plans. I don't want to yeah. reveal them, but if I sat them, people would probably start laughing and be like, I, I get it, I get it. But, I, but if I if I give you an example, so maybe maybe this will be up on like Thursday or something on the vlog. So go to the go to the Cast Castle vlog on YouTube. All right, Chris from Michigan says, I'm waiting for the apology from Dave for degrading himself by posing with Patton Oswalt. Right. So, di- <laughs> so disappointing, he needs to do better. Hey, yeah. yeah, there's a compelling case to make there. Yep. I love this one. Tyler says, did you notice there's no movie showings after 1-6, but only in blue states? I saw it on Decoy Voice, but what are your thoughts? More lockdowns. 
All right. I love this conspiracy theory. What? So I saw this online, and they were like, anyone notice that after January 6th, Movie theaters are only showing one movie, and it's called The 355, which is like, I don't know, some rom-com or something. Oh, yeah. And then someone responded with, I think this means the feds are going to start you know, locking down the country, or there's going to be an interstate travel ban. And I'm like, you got all that because movies haven't been announced yet? Ah. I'll tell you what I think is happening. I think it's a new year, and I think many of these websites haven't been updated with show listings. Hmm. That's it. Although I gotta admit it, I've, ne- I've never noticed this before. It could just be that people finally notice something that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. Every year on the first of the year, they have, theaters haven't sent in their updated lists, and that could be normal. Finally someone noticed it, and everyone thinks it's a conspiracy. Or, sure, I guess the government's gonna be locking everything down, I suppose, but I really doubt it. Alright, Ricardo says, Greetings from Brazil. This week, it's going to be voted if children 5 to 11 need to be vexed in Brazil. Also today, a three-times Pfizer jab journalist had a sudden cardiac arrest live. Oh, duck, duck it. Whoa, really? Wow. Yeah, man. Wow. Well, I can't say much about that because you need to look at larger uh, data sets to understand if, it's, if, that, if that matters. We've talked about the soccer players sort of, you know, passing out and collapsing. Dr. Malone said something interesting on Joe Rowan's podcast, and we're going to get into this in the members-only segment because YouTube is ban-heavy, and that's kind of the problem. But one thing I think is interesting is that people need to understand when you see stories like this, it's possible COVID, long COVID, is is having this effect. Now, with that in mind, check out the members-only segment because we're going to get into greater detail about what this means and how you know uh, how it pertains to vaccines. Unfortunately, let's be—I got to be real with you. If you, YouTube is, is absolutely insane as it, as it pertains to uh, censorship, but we do have some plans. We've been thinking about how to, to push back, um, with as, as crazy as YouTube is getting, especially in an election year. And so one of the things we're planning on doing is a Sunday special, uh, a special Sunday episode. I don't want to call it Sunday special. It's what Ben Shapiro calls it, but a special weekend episode. And we're trying to figure out how we can do that within our current, you know, time frame and work schedule. So that way on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast platforms, we will have like very serious, publicly available, free conversations that go beyond YouTube's stupid rules. We do this on the website with our articles, but we also have the members only segment, which is, you know, you got to pay for because we need to support the infrastructure. I'll also just tell you, it is really expensive to host those videos. It is really, really expensive. If we could get, if we could host it all and give it away for free, we would. YouTube, when, when we do these shows, it's free for us. We don't pay YouTube to host this content, but that means we also have YouTube's rules. Mm. So the strategy then is, okay, we'll host our own videos, but it's really expensive. And so we need to basically be like, here's how much it costs to get access to this stuff. One solution is to put up a special episode every weekend on other platforms. Like it'll probably be on Rumble. It'll probably be exclusive on Rumble and then also on iTunes, Spotify. So we're, we're trying to figure it out. We'll, we'll see if we can get to it. I don't think I have, uh, you know, all the solutions worked out just yet, but. There's also a video going around uh, alleging showing citizens beating up a, a local mayor oh, yeah. who mandated vaccine passports to eat and mandatory vaccinations for children. And that video is going around allegedly showing that mayor getting his uh, buttocks uh, carefully. Um, hit there's a there's a, a feud i guess between marjorie taylor green and dan crenshaw did you see this no i did not raymond g stanley says mgt is it mtg or or crenshaw i don't know man i don't know isn't don't crenshaw know. like a liberal now like didn't he like 
Like his, like that's what I've been seeing all over social media. Being like, know, he supported red flag laws, didn't he? Yeah. He denied that though. A little I bit guess of neocon. Neocon. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. He he had this video. He had this podcast clip where he was like, he he, he said something about Americans who rag on endless war, being like ill informed or something. I think it was taken a little bit out of context, but I think it wasn't out of context enough for me to defend the guy. I think, you know, he's been fairly uh, war hawkish. Yeah. So people are calling him the new John McCain or whatever. Mm-hmm. He still would be interesting to have on the show and to, to have a real discussion with. Open uh, invite, yeah. yeah. Horace Dunn says, Tim, you absolutely nailed the Skeletor voice. When did I do the Skeletor voice? I don't know. It wasn't in this episode. Oh, previously. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. What I don't Skeletor know. Say? Probably. I don't. I, I wouldn't be able to do it unless I had like a, a way to do it. I will say though, my friends, I am um, my uh, uh, my lifelong dream. It's been accomplished. I can retire happily now. I have an IMDb as a voice actor. I am the voice of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Yes, for for Freedom Tunes. <laughs> okay. And you know, I was thinking about. It, I'm like, Seamus has got a big channel. I mean, okay. he gets half a million views. You're famous. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> think about this. How many people can say they're a voice actor on a cartoon show that regularly hits a half a million viewers? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing. I'm not just the voice of Fauci on one episode. I'm on like seven. And then I'm also SJW's friend and I voice myself. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, childhood dream of doing voice acting. There it is. I'm in a cartoon show. Nailed it. Uh, Seamus hit me up like a couple weeks ago, the new Fauci one where he comes down the chimney and he was like, bro, I need a huge favor. Like, can you read this script? Oh my gosh. And it was at like, you know, noon or whatever. And I was like, sure. And it was, it's the one where Fauci comes down and kidnaps people because there's too many people at a family gathering. <laughs> but without Seamus directing, it's really hard to do because I don't know exactly what his vision is. So I had, without him there, I just had to read it like, like 10 different ways over right. several minutes so he could try and figure out which, you know, inflection and which, you know, speed made sense. I ultimately, I thought it was very, very hilarious though. But anyway, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe I will, I, maybe Seamus will, uh, finally realize that I can do a ton of voices. And I don't just have to be Anthony Fauci. Yeah, although I have a lot of fun voicing Anthony Fauci. How did how did I end up doing that role? I don't know. I think Seamus was here. And then I started doing the Fauci Living voice. Him, yeah. And then he was like, can you record something? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> All right, here we go. Brandon H. says, Guo Wenguei predicted, ja- predicted Jack Ma's disappearance. Check out August 2019 interview with Kyle Bass on Real Vision Finance. Luke, we are change. will love it. What's the video again? I'm going to look it up. August 2019 interview with Kyle Bass on Real Vision Finance. Guo Wengui. Wengui? Wengui? I'm writing that Wengui? down. Wengui? Wengui? Oh. All right. Raymond G. Stanley Jr. Once again, he says, Tim, guys, I'm worried if Trump wins, the left will go completely nuts. If it's any other candidate, they'll go a little crazy. What do y'all think? I think if Trump runs and wins, they'll literally try to secede from the union. Good. We already saw that that sentiment coming around, coming out. I, I mentioned all the time the Boston Globe. I mean, mm. the, and and Antifa is going to be like, now's our chance. That'll be fun. All right. No more input. I guess everyone everyone completely <laughs> agrees with me. That's Just right. 100, Tim's 100, correct. 100 uh, uh, percent agrees. Waffle Sense says the best scene ever of Don't Look Up is when the Bill Gates character gets called a businessman. I was losing it. Oh, is that was that a reference to something? I don't know if there was a reference, oh. but he was clearly one of the big tech giants, and a lot of people say he was Bill Gates because of his voice and because of the sweaters, and I absolutely agree. I think it was <laughs> Steve Jobs. The turtleneck was very Steve That was the presentation, he, I mean, too. He was, right. a, he was an amalgamation of those people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Paul Wallace says, Ian is a good guy. While he is a little off and he sometimes gets stuck on semantic arguments, uh. he does bring a unique perspective. Much love, you and crew. 
when we did the special event, we had like we, we had like a hundred something people at the bar. Oh yeah. And then I mentioned I was like Ian often brings up you know gets involved in semantic arguments which I hate and everyone started cheering and clapping <laughs> like that's the problem it's not a real argument to be like I think this word means that word and it's like dude let's have a conversation about ideas and not the meanings of words yikes William Ward says crack is not an upper rolled with people that did it they basically become drooling zombies huh is that true? I know people who did crack. They became hopped up. Like they were like, "Whoa!" So yeah. I have a source that says if you do enough of these stimulants, eventually you'll crash out, which makes sense because your body uh. can only do so much. Well, crackheads are like mystical figures. They have you know godlike powers as well, and also the ability to to like pass out everywhere. So yeah. <laughs> pretty impressive. Okay, let's see what we got here. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Um, I just had the YouTube jump happen. No. That's the worst. That's the jump. Yeah. So when Super Chats load all at once, it just throws everything up. But uh, I appreciate all the Super Chats, guys. Things You May Not Hate says, Hi from Warsaw. Love you, Luke, especially. And the little heart emoji. Aww. I sent you guys a pitch. Forrest Trump stole the... Oh, okay. Um, well, Luke, uh, do you have a, a message in Polish to all of our Polish? Dziękuję bardzo. Kurde, trzeba walczyć za wolność, albo tam nam ukradną wszystko, co mogą. Beautiful. What, what is that? What did you I'm say? Scared. You don't want to know. No, <laughs> saying, saying I can't tell. You got to learn Polish to find out. <laughs> oh, snap. Dzień dobry. That's one way to get around the YouTube censorship. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Throwing out different languages, make them, make them work for it, for the censorship. Yes. Something, something interesting when... Uh, when um, when I was in Egypt, the, the Egyptians thought the British guys I was with were German. Hmm. It was really weird. And so they told me, like, if you speak with a British accent, they'll just think you're speaking with a German accent, I guess. And then they won't think you're American. But they can tell you're American based on the American accent. It's really weird. So they were like, just use an accent when you speak to us and they won't notice. Hmm. That was the craziest thing. Hmm. Yeah, it seemed to have worked, I guess. That's really weird. I just talked like this. Crikey, mate. Oh my and then, like, no one had any idea. They were like, I don't know where that guy's. No, I didn't really do that. Crazy. I was just like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Cornelius Buttknuckle says, I've seen many a crackhead that have been up for many a day, and they do get to a point that if they've been yep. up for so long, their bodies start to force them to sleep. Yeah. I legit seen one guy fall asleep with the pipe in his mouth. You know what? That makes a lot of sense. You pass out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he was up for like three days. Yeah. And then do finally it. just like. What happens to someone to make him go like that? You know, like Hunter Biden. To, to, he's like a wealthy family. You know what mm. I mean? It's the wealth that does it. Influenza. Yeah. I, I got to say, you know, I know a lot of people in the suburbs of Chicago and they were like from well-off families, bored, and they just do drugs all the time. Yeah. You know? and it was I weird. mean, the, uh, the rulers of like the UAE and Saudi Arabia, like they're always partying. Like they're very, yeah. they're all like Hunter Biden, but like way more successful. Like, mm-hmm. you know. I think a lot of these people they like they like chase those kind of pleasures and yeah decadence. All right, we got one more here. We got one more. This is uh Tech says you fired Ian. No Ian, I Ian. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, we didn't fire Ian. He'll Ian, be back. Uh Ian's flight was delayed. He has returned. Um thankfully, safely. And so um he's not in the building yet though? Not quite yet. Yeah. Nah. About an hour. About an hour? Yeah. That's crazy. He was supposed to be here super early in the morning. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, okay. But he landed. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's nuts. I thought they said he was going to get here at nine. We should have Ian Cam. Yeah, we should (laughs) have Ian Cam. (laughs) Where where in the world is Ian? Ian Tracker. It'd be funny if like when when, when Ian doesn't realize people are watching him, he's like a totally different person. (laughs) (laughs) He's like a stodgy, staunch conservative suit wearing with his hair tied back and no glasses. Cardigan. 
And he's got an accent. Yeah. All right, everybody. <laughs> go over to TimCast.com. Become a member. We're going to have a members-only segment talking about some very serious issues. Um, sometimes, uh, often, and I think this will broach uh, – it's, it's, it's what's called spicy. I'll, just, I'll leave it there. I won't – go to TimCast.com. Member segment will be up around 11 or so p.m. Smash the like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share this stream right now. Grab that URL. Share it wherever you can. If you really do like the show, it really does help. It will help us compete with the likes of all these big mainstream media companies. We have no marketing. None whatsoever. I thought about this. Maybe it's a mistake. We do have a marketing guy for like posting stuff on social media. And he was like, did you do any marketing? And I was like, never. He's like, it's all organic. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. And it's like, wow. And I'm like, okay, maybe we should do ads because like yep, other big channels do have it. done ads. We've never done that. Maybe we should do something like that. But at the mean, for, in the meantime, you guys can just share it if you like it. Yeah, and if you that. do, then I suppose we deserve the views. So uh, also follow the show, Timcast IRL, on like every platform. You can follow us on Instagram where we post clips from the show. You can follow me on Instagram at Timcast where I just post memes and other garbage. And just, uh-huh. I don't know, I just post trash, whatever. Uh, Zed, you want to shout anything out? Yeah, I mean, we're still, um, my friend Sean, Miss Robin, and I were still writing at inquiremore.com on Substack, and I'm contributing to a range of different, you know, outlets in addition to that. Uh, I try to put this stuff out on my Twitter as well. It's just my first name, no last name. So What is it? It's uh, Z-A-I-D-J-I-L-A-N-I. That's my, my Twitter. So Sweet. Zed, thanks for coming on. I released a pretty interesting video on YouTube.com forward slash We Are Change about the shifting tides. I just released another masterclass on LukeUncensored.com and another video on Robert Malone specifically talking about the Indiana Life Insurance CEO mm-hmm. and his comments about the 40% excess debts in uh, certain age groups. So if you want to see that video, LukeUncensored.com. Hope to see some of you guys there. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for tuning in for this first show of the new year. It's going to be a doozy of a year. I'm feeling very positive. I'm just really intrigued to see what happens. Thank you guys for joining us as we start this new journey. You guys may follow me on Twitter where I post a bunch of nonsense just like Tim, uh, 24-7 pretty much, at Sour Patch, at Sour Patch Lindsay. I forgot my handle. There we go. Timothy? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you guys over at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.